This is Free Talk Live. It is the Monday edition, and we're kicking off hour number one. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Wayne joining us on uh, a Monday night. In fact, you're going to be hearing uh, Wayne again next week. In fact, Wayne and both Gardner Goldsmith and Wayne will be in attendance for the Monday and Tuesday shows. That's right. While Mark takes a little vacation. Yep, going back to Florida. You going guys back, enjoy that snow You're going back to see your mommy, aren't you? I'm going to see mom. Yeah. I want my mommy. <laughs> hey, you know, it's Christmas time. I'm sure I'll get a big check. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, as always, we got a lot to talk about, but of course you can bring up whatever you want, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. They are completely free. We're going to start things out here tonight with a follow-up story, Mark, uh, going down to, well, Sarasota, where we originally come from. Right? Yeah, it's it, it's an amazing story, and, uh, you know, I wish it wasn't so close because it, would, it seems like we're biased, but... Uh, um, prosecutors have figured, from the Sarasota Herald Tribune, prosecutors should have figured it out for themselves that there was no case against Cynthia Coffin. Maybe they knew it, but didn't want to drop the charges because they wanted the judge to deliver the news to the sheriff's office. Well, the judge has done so. On Tuesday morning, Judge David Denkin dismissed the charge of obstructing law officers, and it was about time. The charge was bizarre and flat-out wrong, as I've said in the previous columns. Let me credit the author now that he refers to himself in first person, Tom Lyons. Um... Coffrin, a Nokomis nurse, and Nokomis is just south of Sarasota, Mm -hmm. with no hint of a criminal record, had been forcibly arrested in her garage. Two Sarasota County Sheriff's deputies took her to the floor, though they had come into the house only to serve a civil injunction. Now get this, it's not criminal, (laughs) it's civil, um, on her husband, John Coffin. Uh, the related to, uh, related to a landlord-tenant dispute in another county. So basically, he was having some kind of civil disagreement. They were with serving, one of his tenants, right? With one of his tenants, they were serving papers, um, and which she, basically just means serving papers means you just find the person and hand them the papers. Right. You're supposed to touch them with it or whatever. But it's really with as many uh, civil suits as there are out there. This is just it's it's just um, perfunctory. So anyway, okay. um, she's. Let me go on with the story. They, he tells it as well as I could. And, by the way, it was a mistake from the start. John Coffin had already been served those civil papers, as Cynthia Coffin told the je- deputy, James Lutz, when he knocked on her door. She also said her husband, who had recently had major surgery, was in the bathroom and not feeling well. Deputy, deputy Lutz waited outside, but when Cynthia Coffin said Lutz had moved to her flower bed and was peering in her window, she pulled the blinds and went to close her garage door, too. Mm. Lutz... Blocked the garage door with his body. Now, I, I assume it was an automatic garage door opener, and therefore, sure. you know, it, if you put your foot in the way of the little beam, it just um, even makes the even door. older garage doors without the beam. If you were to just simply touch uh, the garage door, it would sense that something was there and yeah. send it back up. Um, so anyway, uh, he and uh, Cynthia Coffin, dismayed, came out and ordered him out of her garage and off the property. Lutz, joined by Dep- Deputy Stacy Ferris, told um, Cynthia Coffin they'd arrest her for obstruction if she didn't start cooperating. Obstructing what? Obstructing their serving yeah. the papers, apparently. Yeah, that still amazes me. She had no legal obligation to help the deputy serve the papers, and that deputy had no legal right to be in her garage or house, and um, nor did her husband have any obligation to come out of the house. Right. Well, now, there's there's been cases in the past where, for instance, if you leave a door unlocked and the cops are allegedly called to your house and they will try the door, and if it's unlocked, they will come into your house. Sure. But even then, you still should be able to, at least by the way the system is supposed to work, 
you still should be able to say, well, oh, man, I didn't say you could come in here. Get out. Please leave my, you know, leave my house now. As and far that's as all I'm she concerned, was doing in the garage. As far as I'm concerned, a person in my house, after I've said to leave my house, Trespasser. is a burglar. I mean, I can't see them as anything else. And a burglar who's in my house and won't leave, at, you know, he's a home invader. Mm-hmm. Um, a home invader needs to be shot dead. I don't care what outfit they're wearing. That seems, it's crazy to me what they're doing here. I mean, these guys way, way, way overstepped their bounds. And fortunately, the, ju- the judge gave them a slam dunk. Um, let's see. When it turned, Yet when she turned to go in the house, and how else was she going to get her cu- husband to come out? Let's grabbed her and forced her to the floor and handcuffed her. A report said he had feared that she would lock her door. It, it's her door, pal. Anyway, well, again, she had every right um, to do this. It was uh, the deputies who had no right or hint of a lawful reason to enter her house against her orders. They had no more right to do that than a door-to-door salesman does. Now, Judge um, Denkin agreed, and so the sh- ster- and, and so a sheriff's spokesman said Wednesday the department plans to look into the matter. Yeah. <laughs> it happened months ago. Now they're going to look into right. the matter. Right. Because, you know, but why would they have looked into it before that? Before that, they were just cops exercising Just doing power. their job, and Mark. That, that's what they do. No, they follow they, orders. That wasn't their job. Their orders were to give the papers to this man, and that woman was standing in their way. It, um, then they don't they understand their... They were willing their, to shove her face into the cement. They don't understand their orders, and they're drunk on their power, is what happened with these two cops. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know that Those aren't the rules, and they didn't obey the rules. Okay. So too bad um, no one would look back, uh, would do so back in April when these were um, issues were raised by the, um, the column. It wouldn't have taken a judge to uh, tell the sheriff's office that deputies need retraining to remind them that in the United States of America, the police have to respect people's rights, especially oh, yeah. in their own homes. You mean that pesky property idea, right, mm. where you actually own the land that you are living on? And these two deputies have uh, reasons unrelated to the U.S. Constitution to think better of their actions. When the arrested woman screamed in shock and pain while on the floor, her husband came out. Whether he um, charged oh, yeah. at the deputies or moved first towards um, him, uh, they may move first towards him may be in doubt. But it is clear that the man's attempt to rescue his wife from the uniformed attackers resulted in a fierce struggle. So one side says one guy attacked first, the other side, you know, I mean, who you've knows? Got your, you, you've got his wife, uh, I believe they shoved her face down into the concrete, yeah. as I yes. recall the original story. Mm-hmm. It sounds like roid rage to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Despite the, t- um, I, it sounds like it to me, too. Well, it's Despite- been known to happen amongst law enforcement officers. Yep. Despite the two against one odds and the use of a taser gun by Ferris, John Coffrin punched the deputies, took the taser away, and used it on them. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. When the, when the Instant fight, justice. Yeah, when the fight moved to the house, he managed to push Ferris back into the garage and lock the door. Wait, wait, wasn't this an old man with, like, a kidney problem? What was it? He, was, he had major surgery. I don't okay. know how old he was. Um, Lutz was bleeding. So from a man sp- who just had major surgery right. managed to take down two cops with yep. their own taser. But these two cops <laughs> are just people doing something. They were occupied with dealing with the uh, um, this dealing with the woman. In this case, his wife was being attacked by yeah. two people in his house. Sure, so he was enraged. Um, rage goes a long way. That's true. Um, let's see. Let's see. He managed to push. Lutz was bleeding from scalp lacerations. Said later that he thinks that he lost consciousness br- um, briefly, but finally uh, arrested. Lutz was a cop. Right. Okay. The cop said he arrested John Coffrin at gunpoint. The list of felony charges. At that point, he's armed with the cop's taser. So the cops, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, in a list of things that he shouldn't have done, I guess it's okay for him to have pulled his gun on a guy who has a taser because he certainly wasn't going to beat him. He yeah. was either that or going to get his butt kicked. Right. Um, so I don't know what I think about the gun pulling. 
But um, I know that he the whole situation is wrong. He shouldn't have been where he was right. in order to pull the gun. But you know, pulling whatever. So let's see. I've uh, it was ridiculous that Cynthia Coffin was also charged with obstructing a law enforcement officer. She, she had gotten away in a um, in the deputy's way when he grabbed her husband during the melee and said, "Please stop." And that was used to justify the charge, though um, though it happened after her arrest. And she was obviously she only said that because she knew it was going to get him in trouble. That's all. Right. And she, she was obviously concerned. Who I don't think who she was, she was trying to stop. Really, I would assume that it would be her husband. True. Right. She was obviously just trying to stop um, a fight between the deputies um, and her her husband, and the deputies were losing. No matter how easy it was to throw out a case against Cynthia Coffin, the judge only solved part of her problem. The far more serious charges against her husband remain. For attacking the police. Right. In his house for putting his wife on the concrete. Right. I really feel like... Um, I really feel like he, they should, the charges. Yeah, that the charges shouldn't be there. Those cops should be put on uh, suspended. You know, they should be suspended without pay for a period of time as punishment for their activities. And these guys were just acting like they were drunk on power. Hey, mm-hmm. you're serving civil papers. There's a difference between civil and criminal, and you're a cop, and you should know that. Right. They acted like these people were uh, drug dealers. No, they no. acted like these people are their minions. Right. They're their servants, and that's how, you know. It seems like there's too many cops acting like that. They need to be it's made that an example attitude. Of. It's that us versus them attitude yep. again. These you know, cops need to be making an example of. You know, and, and I see the other side too because I have friends and family members who have been cops, and mm-hmm. and when you deal with the underbelly of society, and, and most of your time is spent dealing with scumbags, your your perception of society changes. I think it's an excuse. I think that's a, that's a sad excuse because you know in retail I dealt with some shoddy customers, but it was my responsibility to treat every customer as though they were a brand new individual and smile and deal with them in an in a, in entirely separate fashion. More is on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It is your show, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website, at freetalklive.com, all the features on the site are totally free. That does include the bulletin board system, over 140,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting there. It is all for free, and it's a lot of fun. bbs.freetalklive.com gets you to it. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. Let 1-800-Flowers.com help you celebrate the holidays with a beautiful floral arrangement or centerpiece delivered the same day, any day. That mean, that includes Christmas. They'll deliver it on Christmas. That's amazing. And you won't even break the bank this year. They offer flowers and gifts from 1999. Mention code FTL to receive 10% off your next order or any order. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. just the next one. It's not like you singularly only get to use the code FTL once. That's right. Any e- old time. Yeah. Every time you uh, call, you know, use 1-800-Flowers.com, just mention code FTL, you get 10% off. Call, click, or come in. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays and every day. So I wanted to jump back to uh, the comment you made, Wayne, before we went to break there. This idea, we're talking about a police story out of Sarasota, Florida, where a woman, uh, they were trying to serve civil papers on a man. And when they went to his house, his wife let him know that uh, the papers had already been served. And besides, he is on the toilet because he, I guess he was just recovering from a major operation. Uh, She then proceeded, the, the cops then proceeded to sort of loiter around outside her house, poking in through windows and that sort of thing. So she closed the blinds and then went to close the garage door when a cop stepped into the garage, prevented the door from closing, and then grabbed her when she tried to return to the inside of the house, threw her down on the pavement, 
uh, and started cuffing her when her husband came out, jumped on the cops because essentially he was att- they, the cops were attacking his wife. And you pointed out, Wayne, that uh, you sort of understand where the cops are coming from because you knew some cops in the past. And you said that, well, they deal with scum of the earth all day long, and so it's understandable how they treat people. I, I didn't mean to make it an excuse, but I try to always put myself in other people's shoes and just see where they're coming from. Just like the man who came out of the bathroom and sees his wife on the floor, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily going to see the police uniforms right away. He's going to see somebody with his wife on the floor it's screaming. True. And if it were me, I'm probably going to snap, too. I'm probably going to yeah. blow a gasket and... And throw them out in the garage, too. I don't know if I was suggesting that you were making an excuse for the police, but when I've heard that from the police, it absolutely is sort of pawned off as an excuse. And as you know, there there are good and bad people in every profession, whether it's bureaucrats or police or whatever. And uh, it reminds me of the movie Colors with Sean Penn and Robert um, Duvall. I'm not familiar. I thought that was Ice-T in Colors. Uh, that, that was another one, but okay. I, I, actually, I think he may have been in that one, but uh, okay. those are the two stars that came out in 1988, and re- basically, Sean Penn was this young um, cop, overzealous, mm-hmm. full of testosterone, and Robert Duvall is this old-timer who's been on the force for a while. Right. He knew how to handle things without force. He was just, he was cool. And as as time went on, the lesson was that, and as you saw the movie, was that eventually Sean Penn became that way, too. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Is the question is how do we how do we prevent the young ones from being that way in the first place? Right, and how many people get hurt in the way along the way? I, you know, it's it seems rather cavalier with people's lives. In this case, um, you know, this how are these people's lives disrupt um, disrupted over? Essentially, um, these cops were serving a piece of paper that had already been served, wasn't criminal, it was uh, civil, and um, you know, these people's lives are just thrown in disarray for. In her case, uh, her case has been uh, eight months now until they finally drop it. Sure. His, it's probably going to be a year. Um, I don't know how whether they're going to drop it or not because, you know, when you think about it, uh, to him coming out of that garage door, seeing his wife on the pavement, um, two people on top of her, the most important thing to him was these people are attacking my wife. The most important thing to the legal system is those people are cops and you touch them. You're not allowed to touch the people who are wearing the blue suits with a little gold badge. If you touch them, we come down on you really hard. I mean, all you have to do is see the difference between the sentences of cop killers and the sentences of citizen killers. And um, then you start looking at the races of those citizens, and you'll really see there's different classes of people in our society. And the top class are the police. You know, there are some solutions to this uh, perceived police problem, and, and this is a real police problem. As far as how we can fix it, I think there are some things that we could apply to the current justice situation, the current system that we have that would definitely improve things, and we've certainly touched on this a million times, and that is, of course, ending the war on drugs. Yeah. I think if you end the war on drugs, then when the police are pulling people over, then I think you're going to just have a general... Uh, the, the populace of America, which of which there is a large percentage of drug users, people with things to hide from the police, a large percentage of Americans are going to all of a sudden not have anything to hide from the police anymore. Um, they aren't going to be worried about getting pulled over and discovered and having the police arrest them. And so I think that's going to shift the public perception of the police over time. I don't know if it'll be overnight. I think it could be fairly fast, though, um, in that when you see a police uh, pulling, when you see the police pulling you over, you may not get as much of that adrenaline rush because you right. aren't too concerned that they're going to throw a crack rock in the back of your, you know, in your back seat and then uh, take your ass down to jail. Right. So, you know, um, I wouldn't if I have a uh a fifth of whiskey in my trunk, I'm not worried about a cop pulling me over. Now, if I've been drinking out of that fifth of whiskey, I'm petrified, Mm -hmm. and I damn well should be. 
So I would like to see drugs treated in the same manner. If you've got a bag of marijuana in your trunk or, you know, in your passenger seat or whatever, doesn't matter to me. If you've been smoking it, on the other hand, while you're driving, eh, Oh, there's nothing wrong with smoking marijuana while you drive. I I disagree. People do it every day. Sure they do. People uh, drink and drive every day, too. It doesn't contribute uh, to any sort of uh, fatalities. The Australian Department of Transportation study in the past found that. You found one study, and I would say There's also been other studies that have uh, have backed it up. I I disagree. I disagree that it's... um, You've never laughed at your windshield wipers when you were driving (laughs) high? (laughs) I did one time. I, I, you know, I the first time did it the, affect your driving ability? Absolutely. Oh, okay. One of the first times I smoked pot, I almost drove it through a plate ga- glass window. Well, I'm not recommending it. All I'm saying is there are probably millions of people that do it. Uh, let's there's go, millions of people that drink and drive too. It's not let's a good idea. go to the phones. I think it's only a problem if you're driving dangerously, regardless of what the reason is. Let's talk to Brian. Uh, actually, let's go to Charles in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. How's it going, guys? Hey, Charles. Hey. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, I'm one of the posters on a forum. I post as Charles, and, you know, I wasn't part of that whole thing with the cops, but when they did come to the forum, I had some questions that none of them really adequately answered. One of which was I found a story on MSNBC where some guy, he didn't answer his door. Like, forget no-knock, like, warrants. Forget all that. I'm talking about they knock and someone doesn't hear. Like, there was some guy, he was taking a shower, he didn't hear the cops, he busted in, there you go. And that's you know, I'm more worried about that really than the no-knock warrants because that's more likely to happen, I think, where the cops will just knock, no one will answer, and then they'll bust through the door. And you know, might not hear a knock, but you might hear your door being, like, shattered to splinters. Yeah, that's kind of scary. That you to pick up a gun and start firing. Right. And, you know, and, or another thing is um, suppose you're in the shower and you still don't hear it. Somebody comes in. I, I, and like rips back the shower curtain or or you see them come through the door um quickly or something like that i don't know about you but i'm i'm aggressive you know i mean i used to be a, a amateur boxer when there's trouble i always find myself rubbing, running towards it not running away from it mm-hmm. um and if somebody were to rip open my uh, shower curtain it's going to be moments before a fist flies at them especially if the psycho music is playing <laughs> <laughs> and also it's like what whatever happened to a stakeout you know right it, if you're dealing with a dangerous possible why don't you want to go in there in the first place? Excellent question. Right, because, you know, it's somebody's house. The chances of getting attacked are high, and then you end up, and then the cop ends up smoking that person. Why? Because they got attacked? Well, you were in their house. Your home's supposed to be your castle, man. Charles, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Talking cops or whatever's on your mind, you take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. one 800 259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You can bring up whatever you want till free, 800-259-9231. That's... 1-800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. They're completely free. we got a brand-new Shriner, actually two uh, brand-new Shriners, up on the website right now for your viewing convenience at shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. They're the ladies who listen to the show that have taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove that they are listeners to the program. That again, shrine.freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th 
meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be in attendance. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Now, Mark, we sort of got into a bit of uh, conflict in the last segment, and I, I blew off to a phone call because I wanted to get at least one in before we went to the break. Mm-hmm. And I sort of wanted to focus back in on what you had said because you said that it's no big deal if there's a bag of marijuana in someone's car, for instance, in their um, in their glove box. Mm-hmm. That's not a big deal to you. But if somebody's been smoking marijuana and driving, then that is a big deal. And so my question to you is, how would you like to determine that? How That they've been smoking marijuana? Uh-huh. That's the difficult... I would say the most difficult part about um, legalizing marijuana is that there isn't a way to decide whether or not people are stoned. What about the pupils and the, and the eyes, slitty eyes? <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> It, it's yeah. questionable. I mean, you know, it's subjective as, a, as opposed to objective. And It'd be tired. And the breath. Usually you can smell it on their breath. I mean, I haven't done it in 20, over 25 years, but... Mm-hmm. I'd, I'm not a scientist. I would think that uh, in this day and age, you'd be able to figure out whether or not somebody's stoned, whether their mind is uh, in, somehow, in some way altered by mm-hmm. marijuana. Um, and I'm sorry, when you look at it... I don't understand why that, is the, why that has to be the issue for you. Why does it have to be the issue? I'm not saying issue? it is the issue for me. Well, I'm saying that that's the reason. That's you one said of the... that's what you'd like to see. You would like to see the system operating in that way. And I don't understand why you don't just advocate for um, getting dangerous drivers in trouble. For instance, the cop doesn't have to put a little breathalyzer in front of your mouth. He doesn't have to look into your eyes with a flashlight. He doesn't have to go through any of these, uh, these parameters to determine whether or not you're stoned. If he's seen you weaving through the lanes, driving off the side of the road, you know what I mean? Doing things that are actually dangerous. Because then he can I think personally that... testify, yeah, I saw this guy driving dangerously. Hence, you have a ticket for dangerous driving. Stone there goes people, your insurance rates. Stone people usually don't drive that way. They usually drive like old ladies because they're so. Well, my point exactly, Wayne, because uh, as studies have shown, stoned drivers are safer drivers. Okay, well, than alcohol. Here's here's drinkers. the thing. How about um, this? I mean, your uh, your girlfriend's run down by a, uh, an incredibly stoned driver. Uh huh. Are you gonna feel like it's just okay that they were out being stoned? Um, I think the problem is a dangerous driver, Mark, not what a substance they happen to be on at the time. I, look, a cop, are we going to get? Pe- a are cop, we going to? A we cop gonna... cannot freaking identify that somebody is driving dangerously if they just happen to see them zip by in traffic. They're going by at forty miles an hour. They may do one dangerous thing, but dangerous driving really is something that's cumulative, happening. Um, you know, different things happening along the way. Mm-hmm. Is the cop supposed to? Follow them for miles and find out whether they're dangerous driving because at that point, hopefully, they'll look in if the rearview. If you're so inebriated that you're driving dangerously, it should be pretty obvious. I've seen drunks on the road before, and it's pretty obvious when you're dealing with somebody who's a dangerous driver. And I've, I'm sure I've seen drunks who aren't driving dangerously on the road, and I had no idea. If I can't tell if that person's driving dangerously or not, then it's not an issue to me. But if they are driving dangerously, it's obvious to me when that happens. It, I, You know, what... To me, it's results that that uh, matter. And if somebody gets into an accident and they're falling all over drunk, uh-huh. yeah, I do want them to be punished more severely. Not only were they driving poorly and caused an accident, but they got themselves um, S-faced before they got into a car. Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes them more culpable. Not only do I feel like they should be responsible for my car and my injuries and paying for those things um, like they are in a regular accident, but I think they should go to frickin' jail mm-hmm. for um, you know putting people's lives in danger from the get-go. So what about tire drivers? Look, a tire driver is... 
it's 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 something is less. It, isn't that just as irritating? Wait, why is it less? Because there are millions of accidents probably per year caused by tire drivers, truck drivers. Because you're immediately awake and you can't prove it. Huh? Because because a tire driver is immediately awake after an accident, and you can't prove that they were a tire driver. When you when you're that tired, a uh, large percentage of your brain capacity is inoperable. Sure, but that that still doesn't uh, that still doesn't revoke their responsibility for getting behind the wheel while they were tired. They because knew they were tired. You can't prove tired. I can prove drunk, Ian. Hmm. I mean, look at it. Tired is foolish. Because if you, you do, you want to give the cops the power to, um, you know, go after tired drivers. Of course not. Then everybody's going to jail. But I can prove drunk. You can take um, a blood sample. You can take a breathalyzer. Right now, you're advocating I, blood samples from people, Mark. This is look, so intrusive at, at and so invasive. An accident? This is at outrageous. Accident? You're damn right. I want blood taken from somebody who's uh, vomiting on themselves from driving all. <laughs> yes, I want that done. You don't need to take a blood sample to determine whether or not somebody has alcohol in their system, Mark. Yes, you and do. And now you're to the be able one. To prove just, it. There was. It was just a matter of weeks ago that you were complaining because cops were taking phlebotomy classes so they could learn to take blood samples from people on the side of the road and now here you are advocating it that's after they had an accident ian once you cause somebody mm-hmm. um problems then there has to be an investigation you know what Look, i just don't understand people I don't are understand hurt. why Property this has to be a factor i want the cops to do a damn investigation yes yeah, i don't understand why this has to be a factor the property was damaged people were hurt why can't we just charge people with getting people I into think an I accident i think i made that clear that no it doesn't before, make sense to me not only did you get into an accident like right. any um you know sober person could do but you got yourself S-faced before you got into the car, and you knew you, that you were a danger on the road. I know that when I'm really drunk, I'm a danger on the road. So mm-hmm. if I go and drink a bunch of alcohol, get in the car, then I have done something in my mind that is criminal. And I want somebody put in jail for that. Mm. 1-800-259-9231. Call I'd... in. Somebody, please. If I'm wrong, let me yeah, know. It seems if, a little outrageous If you agree with me, call me. in and let me know. It oh, seems a little outrageous to me. Put somebody in jail. Then we all have to put somebody in Then we all have to pay to put this fool in jail. And Look, really, I'm I mean... I'm not for putting, uh, making people, uh, you know, I'm not for... Mm-hmm. I'm for people paying for their own incarceration, I or at see. least partly. If you've ever noticed when a police officer pulls you over, usually when it's at night, he'll shine the flashlight right in your eyes to look at your pupils the way they dilate. If they if they uh, don't respond well, then it usually means you're under the influence. That's true. I understand. Let's go to the phones again and talk to Brian in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. Hey, hey what's on Hi, your Wayne. mind? Hi. Uh, uh, cops are better than we are. Uh, 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 I, I noticed that today we had a tragic uh, cop killing down in Colorado Springs, a little south of here, uh, last week. And uh, I was coming back from there today, and I noticed that there was several hundred uh, police cars coming the other way on the freeway. And they had signs all over the place where the detours are and where everything is, and they're flashing their lights. So, you know, since I was going the other way, I figured this was time for me to go 80. But um, <laughs> my, my point is that, uh, you know, what What happens, obviously, a cop dying in the line of duty or getting killed in the line of duty is, is, is tragic. Yes, sure. it is. What happens if a, if a plumber is killed in the line of duty? I mean, can we do that for him, too? I mean, you know, why not anybody else? All the plumbers, um, you have a big parade down the main street with their uh, monkey wrenches. <laughs> I, You know, that it really does show that um, those, of, those of us who... Uh, you know, put her are, are in danger every day and work for the government are somehow better. Um, you know, I don't feel like an ambulance driver's uh, life is in any less danger than uh, a firefighter. I know firefighters run into burning buildings and everything, but really, 
how many burning buildings do we have in a given year? Not very many. Right. Not many. And they're not running into most of those buildings because, well, everybody's out of them. They're not going in to save the parakeets and mm-hmm. um, the puppy. If they are, they're silly. Please don't do that. So, I mean, it, it's rare that a, a firefighter has to run into a building, a burning building. And I know they will, but you know, basically they're EMS workers that work for the city. Um, so, you know, ambulance drivers, they, if a regular ambulance driver who works for a private company isn't going to get that kind of treatment, why would a firefighter? Um, yeah, I mean, an ambulance driver could be far more heroic than a, than a police officer. Ambulance drivers are probably saving way more lives than police officers do. And uh, how about a security guards? I mean, really, what are they? Um, what if one of them gets killed in the line of duty? What about an ER doctor or nurse? Absolutely. Yeah, let's just save the parades. Maybe we should just save the money. And maybe we should have people that are hired on not expecting to be worshipped in the jobs that uh, that they're working. Thank you for the call, Brian. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. This is your show. You take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy them. They're on us. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, you want to help support us, then we need you to vote at vote.freetalklive.com. I believe we reached number one at one point over the weekend. I'm not sure if we're still there. Yeah, we were there at number one. We were. uh, I'm going to check and see if we still are. But even if we are, we still know we're not. We're number two. We still need your vote because the contest goes on all month long. And it is a heated contest. Uh, for first place at Podcast Alley, to be the number one podcast in the world out of over 25,000 podcasts. It just means us being at the top means more new listeners discovering the program, more new people coming across the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you, head over to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. So, Mark, you say um, you said, told me during the break that you actually thought parades for heroes are a good idea. I think people um, want that. People want that. Well, yeah. what if I don't want that? Can Who, the people pay for their own parades? Because I was talking about government-funded parades. I don't, I don't know how government-funded parades work. I don't know how funding for any parade works. I think that most parades are funded by, um, basic, you know, a parade, a parade is a line of floats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you pay for your own float, whatever organization. So the, well, the uh, police are paying for their floats with tax dollars. Correct. Um, but if you had a volunteer fire uh, department... Mm-hmm. Say there was a parade for your volunteer fire department every year. Uh, you know, August the third uh, is Volunteer Firefighter Day, um, in whatever town, any town USA. Mm-hmm. That volunteer fire department would pay for its uh, trucks with funds that they got from the. Sure, I have no problem with voluntary parades. I was talking about the parades where you see, you know, a police officer gets killed in the line of duty, and then they shut down Main Street for an entire day while the the police parade their big vehicles and. Uh, guzzle gas uh, down the street, and it just it, so is the problem shutting down dollars. Main Street, or because I can't get on board with you about shutting down Main Street, but I can get on board with you about um, the vehicles, the gas guzzling, um, the waste of time. If it's a voluntary thing, then I'm fine with it. But if it's not voluntary, as far as if it's the taxpayers paying for it, then that seems like a waste of uh, taxpayer dollars. Okay, well I'm um, for the voluntary for voluntary up to a point, but Main Street isn't going to be is going to be a um, communally owned owned thing. It's a government street, mm-hmm. so at that point it becomes involuntary because somebody's shut down the government owned street. And what if I want to drive? What if I'm the only guy in town who wants to drive down Main Street that day? That's then, quite inconvenient, which is why we need to have privately owned streets. <laughs> The other question is, who's paying for it? Who's paying for what? 
The parade. The, the, the public's paying for it. Right. Well, that's why I'm right. suggesting yeah. we get that. Get, it, get them out of the public's hands, get it out of the government's hands, and allow voluntary organizations to pay for it. I've got no problem with parades. It's just that uh, it seems to me that a privately funded parade would probably cost less than a government-funded parade. But let's go back to uh, inebriation on the road, because this is obviously a hot topic with you, Mark. It's getting you very upset, very emotional. And I think really what's going on here <laughs> no, is you that... talking over me all the time and making your points when I can't, don't get a chance oh, to? Oh, you had plenty of a chance to, uh, to make your points, and you did so very you. loudly in the past segment. So uh, you're saying that people who are drunk when they get into an accident, should have extra charges because they were drunk. And I just want to know why you have a double standard, in that you think it's okay to do that to drunk people, but what about people who take in uh, sleeping pills? What about people who take in uh, other prescription medications? What about people who are drowsy? What about people who are tired? What about people who are high on other things? There are plenty of things that could impede one's ability to drive a motor to to operate a motor vehicle and if you want to make one of them illegal then you're being inconsistent when you let everybody else drive their vehicles in all other sorts of states of mind but you have no way of catching those people so you just sort of let them go oh it's okay you can drive your vehicle while completely tired that's no problem you won't get in as much trouble as if you've had a sip of beer that just seems absolutely ludicrous to me um, as far as I'm concerned if you're falling down uh, from sleeping pills that you've taken earlier uh, yeah, I can't, can't, can't stay up. Yeah. You know, you've taken muscle relaxants and you can barely sit up in your um, chair. Yeah, you're intoxicated. And that's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. But you're saying it's the same thing, but how do you prove it? Well, you need to have some kind of standard. They have a standard for alcohol. Mm-hmm. I think it's too low. I think .08 is too low of a number. Um, but there's another problem, and I'm glad you brought that up, because then who's going to decide on what number is appropriate? Well, how else would you decide? It's a government road. The government's going to have to decide. Right, which means somebody other than you is going to be making that decision. They're going to pick the number. Mm-hmm. They used to do all these cool tests, you know, touch your nose, walk along the line. I used to like to do cartwheels on the, on the line. No, the you, road. you're joking about that. You didn't really do cartwheels in front of a cop, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> I that thought about right, it, though. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, you know, the thing is, though, Ian, I mean, yeah, if if you're... A loved one gets hurt by somebody who went out and basically intentionally is driving poorly. Yes, I want that person, whether it's from no alcoholism. drunk is intentionally driving poorly. They all believe they can drive just fine. None no, of them they do it. They do right now, but they knew ahead of time that they went out get, um, to get drunk, mm-hmm. and they know when they think about it when they're sober. Oh yeah, man, I don't drive Look, as I'm, good when I'm. I want to make it clear, I'm drunk. not defending drunk drivers. You here. sure as hell sound like you that's are. Not, uh, no, you, I'm pointing out your inconsistency in that you want to uh, stick it to people that drink alcohol and drive. I want but people get everybody who are intoxicated. Else intoxicated. Remember we talked about marijuana mm-hmm. before we talked about alcohol. Should've I think been, I've been pretty consistent along the way as far as intoxication. You haven't been consistent because you said it was okay to drive while tired earlier, but now you're saying that I'm oh, saying you could be intoxicated if you were okay. too tired. I said that it was it was impossible to prove meaning that they wouldn't get any extra charges absolutely they won't get any extra charges well, I, it's I believe, impossible the, I to believe prove. the term is impairment and impairment can come from a variety of places impairment can come from taking too much uh, tylenol or or uh, being sleepy i don't think it should matter uh as to whether where the impairment comes from if the person causes 
a problem, if the person is a danger, if the person puts someone else in danger or hurts somebody else as a result of whatever impairment they have, whether it's the impairment of changing the radio station, that could be considered an impairment as well, and there certainly would be no way to prove that either. It's right. the ends that are the problem. It's the results that are the issue. It's hurting other people. And I think that if you just punish somebody for hurting others, that's all that we should do. I mean, like, Hold essentially a throwing second. in a charge for being drunk is kind of like a hate crime almost. That's almost the equivalent of, okay, you've hurt somebody. The issue is you put somebody in harm's way. Why does it matter what the reason was for that? Okay, well, let's look at two people. Um, you've got you and you've got Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Bill Gates has, uh, you know, somebody with the equivalent, of, I don't want to get Bill in trouble, but, you know, somebody of the equivalent wealth of Bill Gates who has um, drank, you know, a third of a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And he's out S-faced. You are not. You're on your way to work and you're, you know, on time and everything's going fine. Uh, you are, you know, fiddling with the, the dial on the radio because mm -hmm. it, for whatever reason it went out. And you T-bone a car, a minivan, and uh, you know, hurt a woman and kill a kid or whatever. The scenario is, Bill Bill Gates uh, passes out from being too drunk, um, goes through the st same stoplight, T-bones the same woman, and kills the same kid, or you know, some scenario. same results, oh, same oh, punishment, same results. Okay, um, so you think that it should be the same thing that you were just he was just doing the same thing you were? Yes, e both okay, ways fine. are irresponsible driving, sir. But fine. Bill Gates would have had a chauffeur. <laughs> yeah, Bill, he, he would have. But uh, at this point now, so the the charges should be the same, then, uh, or the you know the the cost should be. So Bill Gates should pay the same amount of money that you should. You killed somebody. I'm man. asking you a question. Yes or no? It's simple. Yeah, he killed somebody. Great. So Bill Gates does it again tomorrow. Uh huh. And again tomorrow. He's laying waste to the whole damn town, Ian. Oh, He's I can killing tell you, everybody you're, 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 with his drunk okay, driving. You know what? This is just it. This is it. I mean, uh, this is proof that you have absolutely nothing because you've gone to a ludicrous extreme. Whenever Mark goes to a ludicrous, absolutely unbelievable extreme like this. I go like to a ludicrous this, extreme on both outrageous. sides of, of the issue. You're bringing, the, you're bringing it no, to this point because you have absolutely nothing. How many because people you do you know have as to well kill before do, you're culpable? Because you know as well How as I do. Now you're interrupting me, Mark. Because you know as well as I do that Bill... Bill Gates, if he was to get arrested for that one day and then go out and do it the next day, people would get pretty pissed off about that, and somebody would take care of it personally. And the lawyers that's would have a field day. Oh, that's so, insane. So now you're advocating vigilante yeah, justice. Yeah, that's exactly right, because if somebody's going out T-boning people every single day, you better believe there's going to be some vigilante justice going on, pal. I'm just asking how many people have to die. Insane. Let's go to DJ in Chicago. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, DJ, what's on your mind? Uh, I, I'd like to know, uh, Mark, what you would do about all the people who actually get away with it. Uh, those people who who uh, are under the influence of alcohol or drugs or are tired and actually make it to their destination safely without getting into a collision, without running over a pedestrian. What about them? I mean, they're getting away with something. Like many congressmen. Um, what do you, you mean um, they haven't caused any damage or done anything? Right, exactly. I really I don't have anything to say about that. Well, no, no, they're getting away with what you thought was so offensive before, and that was driving um, irresponsibly. No, no, it's right. um, just a second here. That you're not looking at it from um, when you, for instance, there are uh, what they call exacerbating circumstances when it comes to a crime. Um, it's cheaper to, or it's better for some reason to um, say to somebody, give me your wallet or I'll beat you up, than it is to point a gun at them. 
and that is just an exacerbating circumstance. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but DJ, uh, if you uh, have more, if you want to hold his feet to the fire, we'll hold you over. Hang on, 800-259-9231. Get him. Yes, uh, call in and talk to Mr. Inconsistency here tonight. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is on the way. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the Monday edition. We're kicking off Hour 2, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, one 800 259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those. They're on us. freetalklive.com. As we return to the phones, I believe DJ has been hanging on patiently in Chicago. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi there. Hey, DJ. You're back on uh, with Mark. We, we've been talking about drunk driving inebriated driving, people driving uh, just recklessly, and what the punishment differences are between the two, and whether or not there should be punishment differences. And where do you stand on all this, DJ? Well, I I just, under the logic that we've been been talking about here, the, the next logical step would be to penalize those who are under the influence while they drive and do not actually get into a collision. And I just don't see how. Well, how um, that would and work. Oh, I understand where you're coming from that you're making a logical step, and but then the next logical step from that is that um, we should punish people who get drunk because they might get behind the wheel of a car. And right. just because you got behind that? the wheel of a car and you might hurt somebody, I don't think is the same as having hurt somebody and being s face drunk. And I don't think you can take logical steps, because at that point, then being in um, the next logical step from where we had been previously is being in the same house with a bottle full of alcohol means you might drink it, and you might drink it, and you might get in a car, and you might get in that car, and you might hurt somebody. Nah, logical steps don't really work in this scenario. DJ, any other thoughts? Well, um, no, that's it. Thanks, Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I don't think anybody would ever suggest that it go that far, but here's a uh, possible uh, possibility for your little world, Mark, where, and which is essentially your world uh, that you have today, where people get in trouble, more trouble, for getting into an accident when they're, when they're drunk. But if, I wouldn't have cops doing roadside sobriety tests. Okay, fine. Um, so you said you wanted to set a specific limit as to you know, .08 is what it is in most states, I think, right, right now. You say that's too low. In my what opinion, do you think it should be? I, I like .1. Okay, so .1. Uh, let's say you get that change. Let's say it goes through to .1. And it's then never going somebody... to, but okay. Okay, well, anyway, um, it could. And so let's say it goes through. And somebody gets behind the wheel, and they've been they've been drinking, and they're at a point nine, and they they you know at a point nine, they're inebriated enough to where they're sloppy enough to where they you know jump through that intersection a little too fast and t-bone the woman that we were talking about in the last right. hour. Uh, she dies, and or actually let's make it a husband and uh, some kids. Okay. And the mother uh, finds out down the line that you weren't charged with DUI because you only scored a point nine on the scoring uh, the scoring range point zero nine uh, a point zero nine right and as a result you just got a little slap on the hand and were let off don't you think that's going to make a lot of people angry the fact that uh, people are essentially being allowed to drive while drunk but only some of them get in trouble while others don't well why don't they um, have that same problem today with people with point zero seven it's point zero eight they I may mean, have that why, same problem I, I don't I, know I, I read newspapers I've never seen a story like that 
I've never seen um, the you know the the people with pitchforks and uh, torches out there going. Oh, I can't believe this guy with a point zero seven got away with it. Um, you know that just. It, it, you I'm know, just what, pointing out that you want to raise that number, and I'm saying what happens if you get that number raised, and then somebody who liked the old number gets really upset about it, and then you've well, just got somebody, a bunch of different factions there, fighting over numbers. There's people out there right now who would like the number moved down to point zero six. I bet Ian. there are. So I mean, I don't I don't see your point though. It doesn't seem to be happening. Okay, I understand that it's not happening. We've been talking about things hypothetically all all throughout tonight. Well, yeah, a I lot of these things are happening. I think your point doesn't make any sense because it's not happening now at point zero eight. Mm-hmm. So why would it happen then at point one? I'm just pointing out that your issue is that people should get punished for driving while drunk, but yet you believe that some drunk driving is okay. Once again, I more disagree that that's drunk driving. Part. I say that drunk is point one. I think and mothers against drunk driving would disagree with you. Mothers would. They certainly would. But um, they would say point zero is so they're mm-hmm. you know they have a different number than what currently is the legal standard. I understand that. Fine. I'm just pointing out that you're being inconsistent yet again. That's not inconsistency, Ian. I'm giving you something very consistent. You can find out what your blood alcohol level is at any given time. That's consistency. It gives you an opportunity to, ch- to check that. Do you believe Rather that than uh, some cops? Do you believe saying, that everybody at a point eight is safe? I'm sorry. What's do you the believe that everybody driving at point oh seven is safe? They can't be, but I think it's it's a it's a line in the sand that you know whether you've crossed or not. Well, you don't know, but you have the opportunity to check. See, the inconsistency what, is that you think that there should be a line in the sand, even though you just admitted that that line in the sand may actually be a dangerous line, and that there may be people who will be just below that line that could also be dangerous drivers. But that's okay with you because you want to have your little line in the sand. You, what, it, what else do you do? What else do you do is what I suggested, and that is you punish people for hurting others and driving dangerously, but regardless th- of what the reason is. I understand, is. and that would be a really great, perfect world if everybody was a cop, and everybody who saw somebody who was driving dangerously mm-hmm. could pull them over and do something about that. But the fact is, cops can't be everywhere. Thank God, I don't want them everywhere, mm-hmm. um, and they, they can't, you can't enforce that rule of yours. And I'm just saying that if you go out and get drunk and then get in an accident and hurt or kill somebody, that you should be more culpable than somebody who doesn't. Okay. Anybody else with any thoughts? 800-259-9231. How about this? Do you think that it's the same as if you accidentally... I mean, I've gotten in accidents. I didn't mean to hurt somebody. Um, You know, I've got... uh, Not hurt. I didn't mean to destroy somebody's property. Mm Mm-hmm. But what if, um, do you think it's the same level as if you get into an accident and uh, somebody, you, you know, you ran run into somebody's car, or I intentionally run down a toddler in the middle of a street? Do you think that's the same? Uh, that sounds like murder to me, intentionally oh, now, running down a toddler. Oh, now you know whether it's murder or not. I say getting into a car when you're S-face drunk is murder, Ian. 800-259-9231. Wayne, you've been kind of quiet throughout all this. I've been watching you guys spar. Who put, the, who put the quarter in you tonight, Mark? I had a Diet Pepsi before I came. <laughs> Good. Had, You're under the influence. First time I had a Diet Pepsi with lime. I really like those. Could be a new problem. Yeah, you've got that that, uh, <laughs> that Mexican uh, fire tonight with the lime. You sure there wasn't some tequila in there? Uh, I suspect not, no. So okay. where, where are you at between Mark and I on, on this issue, Wayne? I want to know. On one hand, I think a vehicle that's three or 4,000 pounds can be construed as a deadly weapon in the wrong hands. No question about that. The results are the same whether you run somebody over on purpose or by accident because you've been irresponsible and you're, and you're wasted. Uh, it doesn't really matter. The end result is somebody's dead. I've been hit by people who are drunk. I've been the first on, on, uh, on the scene at accidents where people involved were drunk. Oh. And it's uh, when you look at these people, you just think, what an idiot. Yeah. I, it, it happened to my friend of mine. I, I happened to be a couple of 
like a minute behind her, and uh, she got into a wreck with this guy, and he is literally falling down drunk. And mm-hmm. here's her car destroyed in the middle of the street, and this guy's going, <laughs> and he doesn't even he doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> he's so drunk. Yeah. Not only do I think he should be responsible for paying and he should go to jail, but it should be okay to kick his butt right there. I'm sure you did, and you didn't know who did it. I did not do it. <laughs> I did not do it. I, I I was shocked by what I saw, and the police were just right behind me. Let's go to Chuck in Tokyo. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello, Chuck. Hello there. Um, I just want to say that the roads are owned by the governments right now, and you know whether you might not like that, that they need to set some type of safety regulations in place. You, you you can't just have people driving in things that are going to combust or whatever, and that uh, in a free market scenario, you know, um, they 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 create rules say to enter this road you can't be drunk, and and you need some type of safety regulations. You just seem to want a free for all here. Um, I I don't have a problem with private roads at all. I mean, if you want to set whatever rules you want on your private road, that's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay, but I'm just saying that. Do you have a problem with the government setting down some type of rules for these roads? Because we need the government's control of the roads right now, and we need rules for safety. Yeah, I do. Agree? I do pretty much have a problem with anything the government does. Right. Yes, because anything. it does it by force. <laughs> uh, it's a and it's a it's an agency with a monopoly on, on on force, and I have a problem with that. So yes, Chuck, anything but, else? I mean, do you think that because of the fact that we're not in a scenario that you like, that it should just be a free for all right now on the roads? Um, I didn't say it should be a free-for-all. I'm advocating that people should get in trouble for causing damage and causing harm to others. That's all. It's just, it just doesn't seem to me to matter what the reason is. It doesn't matter to me if the person is drunk or tired or just playing with their radio or talking to somebody in the back seat. Either way, you've got irresponsible driving. And that, to me, is the problem. Chuck? So, I mean, just taking this to more extreme, you, that you think you should be able to just fire off a... Of- a gun into into randomly if it doesn't hit anyone you're fine well it's probably going to hit somebody's property in which case there'd be a problem there thanks for the call chuck 800-259-9231 well speaking of drunks there's been a uh, case the, the borat versus the drunken college kids and it has been resolved we'll really? find out what happened coming up free talk live This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That's the Packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site is totally free, so do enjoy that. And that does include archives, an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site, for your listening convenience at freetalklive.com. Do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling. Give them a financial uh, give them financial literacy for Christmas. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money uh, money management, and real estate investment. It's a great stocking stuffer and will be shipped to you by Christmas. Check out A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com. That is akidsjourney.com. As we continue with the phone calls here, let's talk to uh the next caller that is frank in washington you're on free talk live with ian wayne and mark frank in washington yes hey what's on your mind frank what's on my mind is that i was just aware of this because i've been trying to get a Irwin shift who uh, is for he's Fights IRS with taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Erwin Schiff now in jail um, as a result of a judge essentially railroading him into prison. What did you have to say about it? Oh, what I had to say is I just got the article off the Idaho Observer 
And I, we, me and my wife are both in shock that the judge uh, admitted that there is no law, and, and they would not even let the man and his uh, helper even talk in court with the jury. He had no say. They just locked him up through the keyway, just like you and Alex and everybody been saying. Is the, is the Idaho Observer just now reporting on this? Oh, I don't know. I've just become, well, they Because this is party. an old case. I mean, he got thrown in the clink about a year ago, I think, at this point. It's been a while. But, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. They, uh, Irwin Schiff is sort of one of the more, more well-known uh, tax freedom advocates, and he's written a number of books and has sort of been in the, in the limelight, if you will, of the tax freedom movement for a long time. And so, naturally, they chose him to go after. And when he went into court, he thought he'd done all his research and that he knew everything about the law that there was to know. And uh, the, the problem is, when you go into a government courtroom, the judge will just simply say... Hmm. No, I'm not going to allow you to bring that up in my court. And in fact, that's what happened. The judge essentially barred him from talking about the law itself, from talking, from actually essentially barred him from bringing up his defense. And okay. as a result of that, the judge said, I don't want to hear the law in my courtroom, and uh, essentially threw this man who's in his 80s into a prison. Yeah, well, then we're, we're, then if that, if this is what's happened, then we're, we're like communist Russia. If you speak out, you're going to go to prison if they want to take you. Well, sure. This isn't this isn't new news, though. I mean, they've been doing this well, for a long yeah, time. I guess it's news to me. You know, I've been trying to get home. I didn't know that. I, it came across me, and I, I guess I was excited. Oh, yeah. did you hear about what happened to him while he was in prison? Remember, Irwin is in his 80s, and if you've ever been into a jail before, you know how cold it can get in there. Yep. Well, they were essentially not giving him a blanket and all sorts of other oh, just really? really terrible things, uh, you know, completely inhumane and unnecessary uh, things that they were doing to this man. Oh, wow. That is really sad. Yep. And it's all because that, uh, you know, he had the courage to, the, to dare to keep the money that he earned. Well, you know what? We all better stand up here pretty soon. We all better be like Irwin and maybe not even go to court, but we better stand up and pro protest or do something or we're all going to be in prison for well, whatever they like, and they're not going to care to hear anything but lock us up. Well, we are doing something. That's why we've uh, moved as a part of the Free State Project. You know, if you're not just a one-issue kind of guy, if you believe in I'm liberty not. every uh, every issue, every time, then I really suggest you head over to freestateproject.org and take a look at what people really are doing, because just okay. uh, getting on the radio and calling for people to do something isn't really going to do very much. But yeah, uh, actually taking personal action and making a move, literally moving across the country, in some cases, like we did. We moved from Florida all the way up to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project because we really think it's the last opportunity for liberty in our lifetimes. I believe you're right, and I do want to do something. You know? Great. Well, Frank, head over, to, head over to freestateproject.org. Check it out, and thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. So let's go to an update here from Los Angeles. Reuters reporting, as the esteemed Kazakh television journalist Borat <laughs> Sagdiev might say, High five, sexy time, you lose... Two college fraternity buddies, shown guzzling alcohol and making racist remarks in the Borat movie, have lost their bid for a court order to cut the scene that they claim has tarnished their reputations, <laughs> according to court papers revealed on Monday. They were trying to get it yanked from the DVD. The students sued the movie's distributor and producers last month, saying filmmakers had duped them into appearing in Borat by getting them drunk. You tricked us! And falsely promising the film would never be shown in the United States. Why couldn't they just say they were acting? They are playing roles. I, 
You know, that's a great point. They, not I guess anymore. The reason why they, <laughs> I guess the reason why not was because they were after cash, Wayne. They're that's stupid. Why. They wanted money. Yeah, that's what they really wanted. At the time the suit was filed, a judge denied the pair's request for a temporary restraining order that would remove the footage from the uh, DVD version of the film. But the plaintiffs were given another chance to seek an injunction at a hearing last week. The South Carolina college students lost again when L.A. Superior Court Judge Joseph Biderman ruled that they had failed to show a reasonable probability of success on the merits of their case or that money damages alone would be insufficient to resolve their claims. Arguments on the latest motion focused mainly on the future DVD release of the hit movie Borat, Cultural Le- uh, Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. The faux documentary distributed by 20th Century Fox has already grossed more than $120 million at the North American box office after only six weeks in theaters. That's a tremendous take for what is essentially a fake documentary. I mean, they they spent maybe maybe 15 to 20 million dollars on this movie, and I would say probably of that 15 to 20 million, you know, 18 million was on publicity. I understand he's going to be doing another movie now as a different character. Yes. Are you familiar with his characters at all, Wayne? Uh, some of them. Uh, he's going to be doing a Bruno movie, I believe. Was was Bruno the Euro queer? Br- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bruno apparently the, knows all about that. I didn't know who it was until you told me. He's the uh, reporter for the Austrian Gay TV, I believe it is, the fashion reporter for Austrian Gay Splendid. TV. Splendid. So that should be great. Uh, the lawyer for <laughs> the students, baby. Lawyer for the students, Oliver Tellio, said last week that while the film's theatrical runs coming to a close, the perpetuity of the film on DVD posed ongoing problems for his clients, including harm to their ability to seek work. Last month, Talio said the movie had cost one of the students a job at a major corporation and another prestigious internship. <laughs> there are such things as prestigious internships? Oh, yeah, sure. At the really? White House. You could, you could be an intern at uh, on Free Talk Live. That's pretty prestigious. No, internships are never prestigious. You mm. are uh, essentially uh, you know, an unpaid servant as an intern. Okay. But it leads to higher things. That's true. They're valuable, but not prestigious. The students were identified in court papers only as John Doe 1 and John Doe 2. Now, didn't they give their names in the movie? I I believe that they did. I don't know. Uh, A third student involved in the scene didn't take part in the suit. The film stars, and then it goes on to talk about the movie. And uh, I thought, by the way, that it was an excellent film, and I'm glad that the judge has ruled in the film's favor on this particular part, because it would be a real shame to have that scene cut out. I thought it was one of the better ones in the movie. Well, you know, what's funny is that if they had won the case, they wouldn't need to get jobs, would they? That's a great point. I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't think that it was one of the better scenes in the movie, but um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, those boys signed a release, they did what they did, and, and it should be in the movie. And they're over 18. Did you see the wine tasting scene online? Oh, gosh. I saw the whole movie, the wine tasting scene. Which one was that? It wasn't in the movie, but it's uh. online. You can watch it. But was it an actually something from this particular production, or was it one yes. of his other things? Because he's done a bunch of other... I, I believe it was an outtake or, or, or a, a scene that they didn't include in the movie, but it's online. You can watch it. I'll have to go take a look at that. The reason I like the scene so much because it really seemed like an honest look into the viewpoint of these college frat boys, you know? Well, that I think they really are just a bunch of misogynist jerks. Those guys um, were you might have been misogynist jerks. Uh, yeah. But it, it's all candid looks in people's Well, there lives. are a number of them. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about college jerks here in a moment here with uh, rape on campus. And why it happens and what the number one rape drug is. Coming up, Free Talk Testosterone. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free lines. For all your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there because they are completely free, and that does include the updates. You get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. That is updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list updates.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 program. Are you just are you going to talk about excuse me. Are you just going to talk about freedom or are you going to start living it today? Learn how at the First 1000 pledge can make it happen at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Right, and join uh, join the crowd, jump on the bandwagon because uh, three out of the three hosts on the air right now are all First 1000 members. Come on up. That's right. All right. 800-259-9231. Talking about college kids, mainly uh, college males, sort of testosterone-fueled jerks. Maniacs. Get this. From the ChronicleHerald.ca, the man on the screen recounts how he and his roommates staked out young first-year students, how he got one drunk on potent alcohol-laced fruit punch at a college party, took her upstairs to a room uh, used where girls were ready held her down as she struggled and had sex with her. The video lasts just a few minutes. Then Joanne Arkambault, an American expert on the justice system's response to sex assault, turns to her audience of police officers, lawyers, and those who help victims of sexual violence. Quote, All you guys who have family members going to school, you need to talk to them, says the retired San Diego police sergeant, adding that research shows that young women are most at risk for sex assault during the first few months of their year, first year at college or university. She says, quote, there's a social acceptance that this is okay, pointing to a picture she's brought with her of a billboard advertising a brand of alcohol. The caption reads, liquid panty remover. Mrs. Arkambault is a key speaker at the Making a Difference conference being held in Halifax this week. Organizers say the gathering marks the first time that people from across the province have come together to talk about how they can coordinate their work to ensure better supports and services for victims of sexual violence. Uh, quote, we're trying to get our communities to be more forward-thinking, to recognize that sexual violence against women is not the victim's fault, and that you need to hold the perpetrator accountable. Well, you wonder. I mean, I'm not necessarily suggesting uh, one way or the other on this, but it's a kind of a tricky situation. I mean, I was never in a, a college like this, and I was certainly never one of these testosterone-fueled guys that would have ever done something uh, like this This article is, is referencing. But... Don't victims have some sense of responsibility in that she was at a college party, was getting wasted, and probably wasn't carried up to the room by this guy? I mean, do you think? I mean, if you're if you're at a college party, don't you sort of know that there are only certain outcomes from that? I mean, when, I before think, you go in... I don't think responsibility is the term I would use. I would think that... Um, and I don't, I wouldn't use terms like asking for it or anything like that, but I would say that, um, you can put yourself in a circumstance where you're more likely to get raped than less likely to get raped. Mm -hmm. So I, I would agree to some extent, but I don't think that, uh, going, you know, finding some private space to make out with a guy necessarily means that, you know, you've, you've set yourself up for a rape. I think, uh, girls that go into college, a lot of times they're a little bit naive. They don't realize that. They're not in their hometown anymore where they know everybody, everybody knows them, the parents know each other, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's it's a zoo once you get into college and you have all these guys who are three or four years older than you hitting on you, 
hoping, waiting, watching their watches for when you get drunk, mm-hmm. maybe helping it along a little bit. And these girls have not been prepared for this. So what do you think the solution is? Uh, let's have some sort of a prep class? or Yeah, teach them how to headbutt. Give them the <laughs> My my daughter's gonna, my, my daughter's gonna know how to kick tail before she goes to college. Well, I wouldn't doubt that at all, considering you used to do those uh, anti-rape classes where you dressed up in the big uh, big outfit where the women could beat you up. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that's a great idea, Wayne. Sort of uh, addressing the issue before it actually happens, because right. you should know, parents, that if your kids are going off to college and they're going to be outside of your purview. You should pretty much bet on the fact that there's going to be some drinking going on. Uh, yeah, I know there's there's some kids that don't drink, but really, for the most part, if you're going off to a college, odds are good, right? Odds are really good that your kids are going to be engaging in behavior like this. Not necessarily rape, but drinking and being around strangers and drinking with strangers. Basically. Or there are people around them doing it, and sometimes they can get sucked in, or maybe they're not even drinking, but they're around guys who are, and if you get three guys who are drunk... Full of testosterone, 20 years old, you're, you, you could be in danger, even if you're not drinking. Yeah, I've certainly seen, you know, alcohol turns some people mean, and um, yeah, you can really get, once uh, some guys get around their friends, it can be really be a bad thing. Why do you think uh, parents are sort of not addressing this issue with, I don't their, understand with their daughters? Even a larger issue than that, I don't understand why um, 18 and 19 year olds are even at university. It what doesn't do make any I don't understand why parents don't insist on community college. I explain. A community college makes just a heck of a lot more sense to me. Um, just about every community college uh, will guarantee you entrance into a state college if you mm-hmm. get a certain score. It's cheaper. Um, it's significantly cheaper. It keeps them at home. They don't go out. Um, you know, you're not. They're not. You're not paying for a quote-unquote babysitter, which is a terrible babysitter. Colleges are terrible babysitters um, for your kids. I, it just doesn't. They don't make any, It doesn't make any sense to me at all. But aren't you essentially, by saying that, aren't you essentially arguing for more babying of children? I mean, at an age where they should be released from the home, at an age where they should be turned loose? If they should be released from the home, then they should be paying for their own university. Well, why not have a transition period? A community college for two years is a nice transition period out of the house. And they're still young. They're not. They're under drinking age. So mm-hmm. they sh- but they're, they go to college, they, they can get into the groove of, of, of the, the academics before they have all the other pressures on them. Mm-hmm. I, I and, agree. I think it's a sensible when, approach. If, if you're asking your parents to pay for your university, mm-hmm. you're saying, I want to be a child for another four years. That's true. Because right. the only way you can be an adult is by earning and paying for your own way, Good in my point. Mind. So essentially, what, and thank you for making that point, because essentially that is saying, I want to be a child, but I don't want you around, right? Because if you go to the university, right. that's what you're saying. I, you get to be a, a, still a child, but mommy and daddy are somewhere else. I mean, why, why, can't, uh, you know, why can't mom pay for my rent for a couple of years and uh, take care of my auto insurance and just all the bills I'd have, and then I can uh, work a little bit and use my money for drinking? If you live on campus, chances are you're wasting a lot of time hanging out with your buddies when you could be taking on a part-time job and helping to pay some of the expenses. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and college kids being spoiled is a whole separate issue. I, it, it bugs me. Just kids in general being spoiled by their parents, I think, is a very detrimental bad well, it's thing. It's not just the, the spoiled aspect, but these girls are unwatched. Um, uh, you know, I mean... I'm... Well, I think that not, you know, getting back to the girls and the, and the rape issue... Uh, and the article goes on to point out that uh, alcohol is the number one date rape drug. You know, you've heard about oh, yeah. hypnol, you've heard about GHB. It's alcohol. I mean, far and above anything else. So why is it that we don't have, and I think, I guess it just comes back to a total lack of communication between parents and their kids about 
what is, amounts to a very adult issues. And I don't think that there's, uh, that there's a time that's really too early to start addressing these issues with your kids, whether it be just uh, talking about sex or drugs or both. I'd prefer that both be talked about in an open manner uh, with, uh, with young people. So that way, maybe by the time they are ready to, uh, to step outside of the, the household, the, the mm-hmm. parents' house, that they have some idea of what to expect out of the real world. That they have some idea of the consequences of sex and the consequences of getting wasted at a college party. Instead of them uh, arriving at a college, going to what they, what do they call it, the, uh, there's the week where, uh, rush week? Rush week? Going to this rush week where they're being invited into the, these cliques, these, these uh, college groups. Essentially. A lot of this hazing has to do, um, you know, has a lot of alcohol drinking in the process. Yes. Uh, where they're essentially brought into this group and they're told that they're going to have friends and so they're they're lonely. They may not know very many of the people at the college. They're brought into this group of total strangers and it's probably not long after that that they're at their first party with this group of what amounts to essentially strangers at that point. And then you've got guys like this, uh, you know, this low life up, uh, up at the top of this article who's saying that he staked out young first year college girls, waiting essentially to bring them up to a, a bedroom and uh, and rape them. And a lot of their fathers are probably saying, yeah, son, go for it. I you did it when so? I was in college, too, man. Are there people that really think that way? That's sick, I, I think there are fathers who probably say that. Not, I'm not saying they all do, know. but it floors me, yeah, but I don't. Yeah, they must be. You're right. That's he's, shocking. He's right. They, they are, they're because guys because I would saying. be having a talk with my son before he went to college. I, I would have Instilling my talk. values in him yeah. about being a gentleman, for Absolutely. Example. 1-800-259-9231. I mean, sex is... More satisfying when you care about the other person. More is on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It's your show. What's wrong with uh, parents and kids these days? This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free. And uh, that includes, well, everything. Everything you'll find there. Though we do ask that in return for giving you so much stuff, that you buy some stuff from us, like the Free Talk Live branded merchandise that you'll find over at store.freetalklive.com. You can get Free Talk Live hats, Free Talk Live t-shirts. We've got classic archives on DVD sets. It's all there. The Free Marketeer flag, which has been actually uh, pretty popular, at store.freetalklive.com. Now, there's the store, the Free Talk Live store, and then there's Amazon, which is amazon.freetalklive.com. And that's where you can buy absolutely everything else. Though, I should point out, I got an email from Amazon this week. Apparently, Friday, December 15th is the last day that you can get free Super Saver shipping to receive your Amazon orders by December 22nd. Ah. So if you want to get your orders in, your products in, by Christmas time, and you still want to get free Super Saver shipping. Obviously, you can pay extra and get like expedited, quick, quick shipping. But if you want to get that free Super Saver shipping and you want to get it in time, then you need to get your orders in by this Friday. I'll tell you, the Super Saver Super Saver shipping is nice. Um, it really because I mean you're you're going to get basically the same price, similar prices on Amazon as you are if you go to some A box other store. place, right? Sure. Um, but when you don't have to pay the shipping. It just makes it all really make sense. Yeah, it's shopping. a nice, nice little bonus. Basically, it, it, not, not even not a, uh, so much a bonus, but I mean, it, it evens the playing field. You That's get true. what you want. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to wait in any lines. You don't have to fiddle around with any. I'm sorry. When you go to a big box store, no nothing clerks. Mm, um, it's true. Don't have to get out of your out of your bathrobe for that matter. And, and speaking, 
Free Talk Live gets the money. Speaking of the know-nothing clerks, I mean, it's another perk to uh, shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com beyond the fact that your percentage of your purchases go to benefit Free Talk Live. But you've got those Amazon reviews, which are so much more useful than your average clerk at a Walmart or a Kmart or whatever. I mean, if you're looking at a product that you're interested in buying, you scroll down a little bit, and if other people have bought that product, a number of them have usually gone to the site and written, in some cases, very lengthy and extensive reviews mm-hmm. of what they think of it. And then there's usually, sometimes there's links to the manufacturer's webpage, and from there you can uh, find other reviews. Of the, you can just, you can get so much information through Amazon on the actual product page, it's amazing. You know, they're not. They, if if the product sucks, you're going to know it because people are going to post bad reviews. Which how often are you going to be able to walk into a Circuit City and, and talk to other people about talk what they to a salesperson about. and ask them, well, does this suck? I mean, is this a, a lousy DVD player? Oh no, man, that's a, that's great. You definitely want to go with that. Yeah, that in one's fact, good. Go with this one. It's a hundred dollars more. And I mean, that one's can, good. And right, if, that one's good. There's no hard sell salespeople at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And of course, uh, if you if Friday December fifteenth passes and you're running out of ideas as to what to buy, people get a gift certificate at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. In fact, you can send the gift certificate through email. You can send it as an e-card or even on paper through snail mail. So either way you want to do it, uh, you can get it into the, the hands of your recipient if you want to. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. All right, so we're talking about college kids and uh, just the testosterone-fueled parties that they have where these guys essentially are, as they put it, staking out young first-year college females who uh, they're then carried up to a room and uh, forced to have sex. I mean, this is just, I've never even come close to this sort of, uh, these people. I've never went to a college. I was never really close to this scene. But reading about it is really disturbing to me. And Wayne, you pointing out in the last segment that there are uh, fathers out there encouraging their sons to engage in this sort of behavior. I think it's absolutely outrageous. Um, And I want to hear from you at 800-259-9231. But getting back to uh, the article here from the Chronicle Herald in Canada, pointing out that the number one drug used uh, in these college rapes is, of course, alcohol. She said that often the victims of these crimes have ingested a combination of drugs, making it especially important to get appropriate toxicology analysis. And she says the fact that victims are so extremely incapacitated means they often delay reporting assaults and they have trouble recalling exactly what happened, she said. And I think a lot of the guys probably know that. You know, They know they're going to be able to take the girl up to the room, have sex with her, and she may not be able to pick them out of a lineup the next day. Well, there's also the date rape drugs they they uh, spike the drinks with, too. That's that's true, uh, the Rehypnol and the GHB, but the, the article pointing out that the number one date rape drug without anything else is just alcohol. I mean, mm-hmm. That qualifies. You get somebody wasted enough, they, and they aren't going to remember what happened. When I was in college, we used to sometimes have parties with grain alcohol punch. Talk yeah. about getting wasted. Man. Th- nothing like that. I've... It made beer look like Kool-Aid. I have no experience. Can't comment. It's a really bad idea. Uh, Ms. Arkambault said in an interview that she thinks it's especially important that parents teach their children about healthy relationships, taking responsibility for their actions, and telling their sons that having sex with extremely intoxicated women, such as what the college student talked about on the video, is not okay. But she said it's important that people aren't re-victimized because, for example, that they left a drink unattended at a party. Instead, she suggested parents stress the importance of friends agreeing to stick together and watch out for one another. And i, I got to agree with that. I mean, if you're in a situation with uh, strange people, if you're going to a frat party or sorority party or whatever it is they have these things, and you aren't there with somebody else that you know, that seems to be a really dangerous situation to be in. Like, if you're there alone, if you've been invited and you aren't there well, even, accompanying somebody. 
Even so, um, I, I would agree with you. I, I remember one instance when I was, this was in high school, actually, and, and a girl, one of these girls that just would drink themselves into a coma every weekend, mm. um, she was on a bed and drunk, just laying there basically drunk, and uh, some guy thought it would be a good idea to start kissing on her. Um, and, you know, the friends were around and basically said, hey, you know, that's enough. Thanks. Get out of you know. And, and so it did of, make a difference. Sort of broke case. him up, but and, and I agree. But at the same time, you know, you go to a party with one or two um, girlfriends, and uh, they all get trashed too. They get separated. Yeah, they're just not paying attention. You know, they they might be making out with some guy voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some safe guy, and yeah, I don't know. I, it. I really think it comes just don't get s face drunk. Yeah. yeah. One time I went to a party in college, and these girls got me drunk on tequila. And one took me up to her room. My and God. Me, and I didn't report it. Yeah, it's probably best not to report that. I don't know if that qualifies as a rape. Rape happens when you don't want sex. I didn't want it with her. Oh, I see. I just couldn't tell what she looked like. I can barely see. Yeah, I mean, moderation obviously is another key. But these are, again, this comes back to bad parenting. Because kids, when they're growing up, are told, "Eh, don't you drink, little Johnny or little Susie. And that's the message for most parents in America today. But, of course, we all know that kids are going to drink. And their parents did it. And their parents did it, too. And it's just amazing to me that parents just insist on not communicating with their kids. And I think that it's sad that when it, re- it, when it results in the inevitable, and that is kids not understanding alcohol, not understanding their limits, right. not having been able to really explore it in any particular fashion as right. they were growing up. And now they're just um, exercising. And then you throw them to the wolves. If, well, yeah. I don't know about throwing them to the wolves. They're going to do what you know kids are going to do. And in any place they're limited, they're going to experiment in that area. At, or, you know, they may experiment in that area, and they find out they like alcohol to some extent or another, and bad things can happen. Alcohol is dangerous stuff. You know, nowadays, I think there are more parents who really don't know their kids like in the old days, because I think more you have two parents working more so now sure. than you had 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And from day one, a lot of these kids were dumped off in a daycare mm-hmm. and left to their own devices. It's true, um, though that could certainly be, you know, that's that's almost sounds like another excuse for them, because... You could say, well, we're so busy, we don't have time to get to know our kids. But that's like me saying, well, I, I for instance, we do goals here uh, personally just to kind of help ourselves out, get mm-hmm. things accomplished. One of my goals has been to read um, a book or something, uh, in, something in print, not online, something in print, uh, every day during the week. So with, for just a total of an hour per week. I mean, it's not hard to find an hour per week. But I, could I wouldn't make, think so. Ten I could minutes make, a day. Right. I could make plenty of excuses. Oh, I've been so busy. I've been so busy. But really, it's just a matter of making time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your kids are important to you, it shouldn't be too hard to make that time available for them. Wherever you can squeeze it in, even if it's, you know, during uh, when you're cooking dinner or when you're, I don't know what it's like to be a busy parent, so I can't really um, put myself in their shoes. But there must be a few minutes here, a few minutes there where you can set aside time to make time with your kids. Uh, That's if, all. If I'm not, saying. your kids aren't very important to you. Yes, exactly. So don't make excuses. Uh, make a difference. 800-259-9231. I just think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a sad story what's going on with kids in colleges today, and I really think it has to do with the parents. Not that I'm saying that being a helicopter parent is the solution. That's too little too late. You know, we were talking about this, these types of parents that send their kids off to college, and then they sort of hover over them, uh, monitoring everything that they do and going the places that they go and just sort of um, parenting them while they're supposed to be away which I think is, uh, that's, a, that's a little too much. You know, if you, if you couldn't get your parenting job done in the first 18 years, your time should be up. I don't know. I, 
As all I've got to say is I wouldn't send my kids to a university in their freshman or sophomore years unless something extraordinary was Oh, I'm with you on that. Going. I, I mean, what about if they get a scholarship? A full scholarship. A, yeah, that would be the extraordinary thing we were talking about. Um, it, it would have to be a full scholarship. That's the only way I would uh, think it made sense. And I, You know, at that point, I don't know. The I price would, of college today is a scam. It absolutely is. There's, and there's a variety of reasons for that, most of them being government-related. <laughs> of course it is. Yes. Uh, hour number three is on the way, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Coming up, speaking of scams, the dollar. Wayne, you're going to be telling us about how it uh, there's maybe a, a collapse on the way here. We'll explore that more. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number three of the Monday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That number again, 800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, totally free, so do enjoy those. Then again, freetalklive.com. As we go to Aaron in New York on the amplifier line to start things out. Hello, Aaron. Hello, guys. Hey, what's on your mind, sir? Hey, uh, well, I'm a graduate student uh, here in New York. I'm actually looking forward to graduation so I can move to New Hampshire as part of the uh, first thousand. Excellent. Um, Hooray. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, so I've been on the college team for quite a while now, and uh, I'm not absolving parents from a lot of this responsibility for educating their children about alcohol and drug use, mm-hmm. but I can tell you you can definitely blame the war on drugs for a lot of these rapes. That occur on college campuses. Really? Why the war on? Wait, why the war on drugs? Because last hour we were taught this was the issue we we're covering last hour, and that is that uh, the number one date rape drug is alcohol, and it would seem that the war on drugs doesn't really fit into the alcohol paradigm. I mean, there's no war on alcohol right now. But there's well, no pot. Well, I, I wouldn't say there's a specific war on alcohol, but there is that war on marijuana. So I mean, in general, if these girls, you know, want to go out, have a few laughs with their friends and blow off some steam, they would be so much better off just smoking a few joints rather than getting completely drunk and losing control. So I, mean, wait, I don't really su- like marijuana or condone its use, but alcohol is so much more dangerous. So you're suggesting maybe that if there was no war, on, there were no war on drugs, then marijuana would be more, I guess, overtly used, uh, more accepted. Perhaps it would be more of a competitor to alcohol because, I mean, alcohol is huge in the United States. Um, but th- that, I guess, would be you're, you'd then be arguing that more people would smoke marijuana than they do today if there was no war on drugs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're not going to stop, you know, alcohol and drug use from happening on college campuses. I mean, if it's if it's going to happen, you know, let's have it happen as safely as possible with substances that don't leave these girls completely out of control and helpless. You know, I hadn't I've really seen, thought I've of seen it many times. I hadn't really thought of it from this angle, but you must be right. I mean, there's a certain amount of girls who um, who did get drunk, um, who who got raped, who had gotten drunk, who would not have gotten drunk if the if marijuana were legal and would have gotten stoned instead, and in all likelihood, in that case, not been raped because it's just not the same. I think it's a small effect. number. I think it's a small number of girls, though, and I think a lot of girls drink because it reduces their inhibitions. Like a lot of people, a lot of people in general, so girls are included. 
drink because it lowers their inhibitions, and we're sort of brought up with all of these societal inhibitions and standards and everything, and that's one of the reasons why drinking is so popular in the United States, because it gives them a reason to act a little differently, to act a little more crazy. Well, in my opinion, if we can just save one girl from getting raped, we should legalize, legalize marijuana. Legalize yeah. um, okay. <laughs> you know, okay. I'm sold. The yeah. politicians would say, would say the same thing in the other yeah. direction. Secondly, how many guys out there um, that would have done these um, these crimes uh, would have smoked pot instead and then been not so likely to have committed the crime. Yeah, they'd be staring at the ceiling fan instead. <laughs> Secondly, um, and, and, and another point is, along with the war on drugs goes the war, with pro- war on prostitution. A lot of these guys, or at mm. least this is my thought process, and yeah. I may be wrong. They say rape is a crime of um, control, but it would seem like a date rape is more a crime of I want to have sex. And I am so horny right now. I right, can't stand like it. To, to some extent, that yeah. has to go into that this age, scenario. Yeah, it, it seems like it. And th- if they could just get a hooker for a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks, I don't know what it is. Sure. Well, Mark, just think about how much more work you get done at your age now, because when you were that age, I mean, you thought of, you thought about sex like every moment. Everything you did was for sex. Now you only think about sex about every ten minutes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I also um, cared a great deal about drugs and partying too. So I mean, uh, not so much now. <laughs> so. It's funny having uh, having you here on the night you're here, Wayne, because when whenever Wayne's in the studio, like Wayne and Mark sort of play off one another, and uh, like the the sexual the man testosterone content in the room <laughs> uh, just it multiplies because I'm not one of those guys that thinks about sex every ten minutes, and you guys definitely are, and so it's interesting to see the the the, the dynamic that goes on. If here. we were cavemen, we'd be in charge of the little uh, yeah. trooper, whatever they call a group of cavemen. What do they call that? Yeah, I have no idea. And you're not too hairy, man. Chicka <laughs> bunga Aaron, uh, any other thoughts for us? Uh, actually, yeah, something kind of interesting happened here on campus, too. Um, the whole campus is crawling with uh, state police. Mm-hmm. I guess our college is hosting some kind of a uh, state police training. So we have these uh, cadets, you know, out goose-stepping all over campus and uh, marching in cadence and going to these training classes. And I was thinking about, you know, maybe trying to do a little – Outreach with them, make sure that there were some uh, leak flyers around or something like that. But I was wondering if you guys had any uh, other suggestions for maybe uh, getting through to these cops, uh, you know, these kind of beginning stages of their careers, and maybe. I think uh, to, uh, I, I think yeah. doing outreach is always good uh, with, when it comes to the police. I always, if I'm doing outreach and I see police, I always make a special effort to try to get them involved because they're sometimes reticent, especially if there are some superiors nearby. They won't uh, come and talk to you in that particular case, but otherwise they will. And uh, you can get them to take the world's smallest political quiz that the Advocates for Self Government have. That's a great way to sort of uh, get the ball rolling. And I absolutely agree with having law enforcement against prohibition literature handy. I think that's a great idea. Let us know how it goes, Aaron. Great, I will. Thank you. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. You know, Mark, I think you're really on to something. I'm glad you brought up that point about the war on prostitution. I think that would go a long way uh, towards not only just reducing college rapes, but just reducing rapes across the board. I, I would think to some extent, um, you know, rape is, rape is tough. I don't understand it. I don't want to have sex with some woman who doesn't want to have sex with me. Period. There are girls that um, th- there are not a lot of them, but I know there's uh, there are some. We've got one of them on our shrine, actually. I won't reveal which one's which. Uh, but there's one of our shriners that's like really into being kind of beat up, and uh, ra- she she has rape fantasies essentially. Like a girl like that could mm-hmm. very easily go into business for herself if prostitution was legal and essentially be the 
rapeable prostitute. Sell rape as role playing. Yeah, man, I, I I would I would do that in my own area with cameras just to make sure that things didn't go out of control if I were uh, her. But well, maybe. sure. I mean, well, in the prostitution business, I mean, out in uh, Nevada, for instance, there are brothels with security working yeah. there. I'm telling you, if there's security working at the brothel where the, there's, you know, she'd probably work at a brothel as the rapeable girl or, mm-hmm. you know, one of two, and there'd be maybe 25 girls working there. So the guys that were into that sort of thing, and there are guys into that sort of thing, would be yeah. able to choose them. And, there'd be, and they're in prison, most of them right now. <laughs> and, I, I hate to see my son's credit card bill. There would be some sort of a safe word. That's what happens with the uh, the people that are into the you know the rough sex. They have a safe word that if that safe word is used, then that means to stop doing whatever they're doing. And if they didn't stop, you can bet that the bouncers would be in that room within a matter of seconds and protecting that girl. So I don't really yeah. think that'd be an issue at all. They'd knock somebody's teeth out, right? Yeah. So I think that's a great idea as far as reducing the number of rapes. I don't know if it will. It'll, I don't think it would totally reduce rapes. I, mean, I don't think it would eliminate them. No. Because you're still going to have those gonna guys. You're not going to eliminate crime. Period. But right. if you get rid of vice, it's going to go a long uh, way. You know, let people interact on a consensual basis. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of a lot of these uh, violent cl- crimes reduced. This is how the market reacts: is people are stifled and upset, and they don't have any way to, um, you know. Relieve these outlets. Plus, outlets these, the uh, the college guys that are into tar- like this article was talking about targeting the first year freshmen mm-hmm. or whatever. The the college guys that are interest- interested in having sex with the college girls on their campuses, they'd be satisfied too because a number of the college girls would probably work as prostitutes because a lot of them work as strippers to to work their way through college. Well, they could work as prostitutes. Or at least to the work strippers say they're in college. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the young college well, guys. Known I've known them. They they do that. I'm sure a lot of the young college guys would prefer somebody who's a little more experienced. Maybe so. Although I, I think domination is probably another factor to it as well. So it, it, it all depends. But nonetheless, it go a long way towards making a difference there. Uh, hey, Wayne, let's go completely in a different direction here and talk about, well, I guess it's related to prostitution, money. Money, that's right. The dollar losing its value, imminent collapse, perhaps. There have been a lot of rumblings in the last year or two about the dollar collapsing. Well, people have been yeah. kind of scared about this for a long time, though. Why is it different now than it was in the past? Well, you're hearing a lot more about it through the uh, n- the financial newsletters. Economists are talking about it. And now, this week, in an unusual move, the Bush administration is actually sending his economic A-team uh, to China to talk with the Chinese, because the Chinese are rumored to be dumping dollars. And that's... Whoa. And that could the be S real. is hitting the fan. What, is that? Wait, what does that mean? They're going to dump dollars, well, in the, like in the ocean? Well, <laughs> no. What they're doing is is that the Chinese have about a, a trillion dollars in right now in dollar assets, bonds, uh, currency, etc., that they've accumulated from our trade imbalance. Okay. And what's happening is is that they're realizing that they're losing value, and it's not a good investment for them to be sitting on all these dollar assets. So they're starting to sell them off covertly so that they don't crash the market. But it, it's other countries are getting the same idea. But who's buying? If they're selling, somebody must be buying. Well, they're buying lower. They're, they're, they're buying, buying. They're selling at a, a fraction of their value, is what you're saying. Well, um, yeah. If, if yes. Let's come back and talk about it more. On the way here, 800-259-9231. I need to have my hand held through this monitor <laughs> stuff. Okay. More's coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy them. And that does include the Free Talk Live wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 900 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki. 
www.freetalklive.com and get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the place taking uh, some of the program taking place in the State House. Get registered and learn more at freestateproject.org/libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org. Slash Liberty Forum. I don't know if I. I think I can break this news. This might be an exclusive. But uh, our friend Jim Babka is going to be a speaker at the forum. That's uh, one of the newest announcements. I don't know if they've even announced it officially yet. But that's been going on sort of behind the scenes, which I'm very pleased with. Me too. Uh, because Jim's a great guy, and I'm actually looking forward to meeting him. Be the first time I've ever met him. So, um, Liberty Forum at uh, FreeStateProject.org. Wayne, our local sort of monetary expert here on the show. Talking about the dollar is uh, positioning itself for a fall. What's happening? Why is it happening? And uh, what's coming soon? Well, right now the Bush administration is trying to get China's cooperation in in an orderly decline for the dollar. They know the dollar is declining. They know a lot of the central banks and and nations around the world that trade oil and and so on are losing confidence in the dollar because we're simply printing up too many of them and creating too many of them. And our, our, the level of debt that we're amassing now is is unprecedented in Earth's history. And it's only a matter of time before this all blows up in our face. So it's not a question of uh, of if, it's a question of when. Yes, I, would, I believe I would that. agree that, um, to, to that. I'm, I'm not quite so, you know, Mike, I, re- I read a lot of the, the doomsday scenario financial stuff, and it, it, it seems like they've been wrong in the past. But I would have to say... Some you got to pay the piper at some point. How are we going to know when it happens? I don't know. Did you know? Did they know when um, you know the the crash in '29 was going to happen? Some people had a some feeling. Some people did. Some people got out early. And if you if you look at the people who really really make the big big money in this world, the Warren Buffetts mm-hmm. and this George Soros. Warren Buffett's been saying this for a while now. He's he's had a massive bet against the dollar right now. He he's been a little bit early, but I think he's correct in the long run. I think that we're going to see a problem. And if you look at I mean, I'm trying to connect the dots here a little bit, and I'm a connect-the-dots kind of person, but when you consider that we've got this security and prosperity partnership thing going on and being negotiated behind our backs and behind the backs of Congress, mm-hmm. proposing this new Amero currency, now why would they do that? Because the dollar's getting weak. The dollar's getting weak and is in danger of collapse, and they know it, so they've got to have the solution to hand out for people to save them. Something to uh, distract them away from the dollar when, of course, the Amero, if it does come about, is just going to be another fiat currency, right? Correct. But is it somehow going to start stronger just because there's hype around it? I mean, what's going to make the Amero uh, more viable than the dollar? Just because it's new and exciting? Right. It's it's just going to be hype. Um, Essentially, all it's going to do is eliminate the three different currencies, probably in in Canada, Mexico, and Mm -hmm. America. Probably some Bahamian places, too, would, would get in on the gig. I mean, you know, what's what's the difference? Nothing. It's new. It's exciting. You know, when they have uh, Benjamin Franklin, they redo the $100 bill. It's a big deal. People like that. And they'll take a few zeros off, too. Yeah. Take a few zeros off? Well, you, you'll be able to change, you know, $10 for one Amero, maybe. There'll yeah. be some way they'll, they'll Ameros they'll will be more people. valuable. Yes. Because yeah, that's what I was change gonna ask. the number. Right. That's what I was going to ask is how do they manage to actually transition over? They just, um, that's what now it's now it's making sense to me is they just introduce it in at a higher value um, essentially because the dollar has been losing so much of its value and people change it out. That's what you're saying would, would go on? Yes, because... Uh, it's not it, really it, a higher value. It's just the printed numbers on the... It, right. There is no value. Right. There's no value to any of it. There'll be it's an exchange rate. You'll be able to change your old dollars in for these new magic Ameros that will solve all of our problems. Right. 
Will they also, I wonder how it went with the, I don't know if you know how it went with the Euro, but when it, the transitory period, for instance, when you go do your shopping, is there going to be some sort of a, a deadline law passed that says all merchants in the United States must uh, convert their prices to the Amero system by this particular date? How do you get that sort of compliance out of people? I would expect there'll be a transition, just like in in uh, in, in the EU. I think I that's would, what I want to know: is how did it work in the EU? How did they? It, it, there was a transitional period. Yeah, so and there's it, two different prices on the shelf at that time. No, I would think with Wayne, um, in this particular instance, what he's pointed out here is is obviously what's going to happen is that um, the Amero will be linked to the dollar, not to the uh, Canadian dollar, not mm-hmm. to the Mexican uh, peso, peso or whatever the heck it is. Um, it would be. Because the dollar, obviously there's more people, the dollar's more powerful, sure. all that other stuff. It would be linked to that. And then um, I think Wayne's absolutely right to pull a, pull a zero off. So one um, Amero will be worth $10, and essentially you just move the decimal place, and everybody would know that. Um, you know, that would just be understood. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I mean, that would be exactly the way it would work. So it'd be and then everybody starts feeling good because milk is uh, .35 Ameros instead of... A- you know, three dollars. Don't you don't you believe that would be the case? It seems like it would work on people. Yeah, I yeah. think it absolutely would work. Well, there's also the question of all the debts that we've uh, amassed, both personally and uh, the government for us. Then Will the debt goes down those? by a, by a fraction of ten. Well, we made. Who knows? We may default on them. I think because there's got no more dollars. I think we've got more no, debt than we could so. ever pay back. It's, um, that much is true. I the think. America does, but I mean, you know, as long as they continue to pay the interest on it, no one cares. But the interest will eat you alive. You know the law of compound interest. You can make it work for you or, or against you. Yeah, and we are making it work against us. We're the largest debtor nation in the world now. Yeah. I just want to know, what do you want to look out for? I mean, what are the telltale signs? Besides the fact that they're pushing the Amero, what are going to be some of the indicators, the tells, if you will, that we're going towards this imminent collapse? Well, you'll, you'll watch the precious metals uh, uh, market spike up quickly, all of a suddenly. That's usually a telltale sign. It's they, been happening. They, okay, so that's that's in response, right? That's what you can see. You know, so that that way you know something's been happening. Basically, is when the precious metals goes up. That's a flag, right? But that's after the fact. Is there anything going to be in uh, coming in front of it? No, that that ap- actually will happen before it too. Really, which, which is happening. Yes, the the markets sometimes Cause it can trimmers. foreshadow can foreshadow what's going to happen. Now they haven't spiked up over eight fifty yet again, but they're they're going up. They're on an upward trend for a reason. Silver's been coming up, that's for sure. The reason, the reason that uh, people are um, ran away from bank stock in 29 is because they, um, you know, they, they were having trouble. So uh, first a few people ran, and then a few more, and then when the whole crowd ran away, that's, that's when, when the crash occurred. So you got to so get out early, or else the people that ran early and, were fine. And think about, think about all the. Oh, Wayne, we got a problem with your mic. Hang on, we'll come back to you. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Let's take Eric in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Mark, and Wayne. Hey guys, how's it going this evening? Going great. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, just a quick comment on Saturday's show. Great show, by the way, Saturday. Uh, I liked uh, it. The, the gentleman called in about the knife amnesty in the U in the UK. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just like to throw a challenge out to all your listeners in the UK and say, you know, grab a grab a knife from your kitchen and go down to your local chicken slaughterhouse or, or cow slaughterhouse and and stab a cow a couple times, get a bunch of blood on it, and then go turn the knife in. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a great way to mess with their heads. Because it's supposed to be no questions asked, right? Yeah. So a little blood on it, you can't ask me any questions about it. Unfortunately, it's too late for anybody to actually try that. The knife amnesty period is over. 
um, oh. in, in, the, in the United Kingdom. But that's an excellent idea. I'm sure that we're going to have it coming soon in America. I mean, it happened, it worked in the United Kingdom. I mean, and when I say worked, meaning that they foisted it on people and people actually went and turned in their knives. I think it's probably just going to be a matter of maybe years before you see it in uh, maybe Los Angeles or New York City or something like that, in which case someone should take you up on that idea, which is excellent. Well done, Eric. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Speaking of knives, we'll talk about the gun in the room coming up. 800-259-9231. Try to fix Wayne's mic and uh, all this other good stuff. You can take control of the airwaves. It is your show. It's Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features we've got there, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Two streams should fit virtually any internet connection at freetalklive.com. Enjoy them, because they're free. Is there a little person that's important to you this Christmas? Give them financial literacy for Christmas. A Kid's Journey um, to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. It's a great stocking stuffer and will be shipped to you by Christmas. Check out A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. I want to go to uh, one of the probably the, the best thinkers in the libertarian or pro-liberty movement, uh, Stefan Molyneux, and uh, what I think is probably his uh, one of his pinnacle articles that he has ever written. His opus. At uh, lewrockwell.com. It's called The Gun in the Room, and I think what he does here is he really does a great job of boiling down the issues to the ultimate point, and that is The Gun in the Room. One of the most difficult and essential challenges faced by libertarians is the constant need to point out the gun in the room. In political debates, it can be very hard to cut through the endless, windy abstractions that are used to cover up the basic fact that government uses guns to force people to do what they don't want to do or to prevent them from doing what they do want to do. Listening to non-libertarians, I often wish I had a euphemism umbrella to ward off the continual oily drizzle of words and phrases designed to obscure the simple reality of state violence. We hear non-stop nonsense about the social good, the redistribution of income, the education of children, and so on. Endless attempts to bury the naked barrel of the state in a mountain of syrupy metaphors. And indeed, I think most of these metaphors are very effective on people. I think that um, people for the most part, don't realize until you can make it very explicit to them that there's force involved in this thing called government. Oh, yeah, they, they don't even look at it. They're, it's completely hidden from them. The children, the children, yeah. social <laughs> justice. It's a, it's a wearing, uh, wearying but essential task to keep reminding people that the state is nothing but an agency of violence. When someone talks about the welfare state helping the poor... We must point out the gun in the room. When someone opposes the decriminalization of marijuana, we must point out the gun in the room. When someone supports the reduction of uh, taxes, we must point out the gun in the room, even if one bullet has been taken out. So much political language is designed to obscure the simple reality of state violence that libertarianism sometimes has to sound like a broken record. 
We must, however, continue to peel back the euphemisms to reveal the socially sanctioned brutality at the root of some of our most embedded social institutions. And just so you know, a euphemism is a a phrase that's sort of kind of a candy-coated version of something much more serious. Mm -hmm. I was recently involved in a debate with a woman about public schools. Naturally, she came up with reason after reason as to why public schools were beneficial, how wonderful they were for underprivileged children, and how essential they were for social stability, etc., etc., Each of these points, and many more, could have consumed hour upon hour of back and forth, and would have required extensive research and complicated philosophical reasoning. But there was really no need for any of that. All I had to do was keep saying, the issue is not whether public schools are good or bad, but rather whether I am allowed to disagree with you without getting shot. Most political debates really are that simple. And that's one of the benefits of uh, being a libertarian and understanding the libertarian philosophy is that we understand that we can uh, boil it down to this level. And we don't have to know all of the facts and the research and the statistics and everything about public schools and why they're so bad. I mean, the facts are that they are so bad. If you want to do the research, the facts are certainly there. But you, you can, as a libertarian, any issue that comes across your table, you can address it. Because using force on others is wrong. As far as I'm concerned, they're pubic schools. (laughs) That's cute. Uh, Most political debates really are that simple. uh, People don't get into violent debates about which restaurant is best because the state doesn't impose one restaurant on everyone and shoot those trying to set up competing restaurants. The truth is I couldn't care less about this woman's views on education just as she couldn't care less about my views. But we're forced to debate because we're not allowed to hold opposing views without one of us getting shot. That was the essence of our debate, and as long as it remained unacknowledged, you know, we weren't not, going to get anywhere. Just in, in just to, make, to draw a difference here, it's not that people get shot over it; it's that people are threatened at uh, being shot, and then therefore they don't do it. And the threat of being shot comes after a few steps of disagreeing with the the um, authorities. That's right. So the gun's really well hidden, and There's no doubt in your mind that they'll use it, so you wouldn't stand up to them. In more than 20 years of debating these issues, I've never met a single soul, says Molyneux, who wants to either shoot me himself or have someone else shoot me. I take enormous solace in this fact because it explains exactly why these euphemisms are so essential to the maintenance and the increase of state power. The reasons that euphemisms are constantly used to obscure the gun in the room is the simple fact that people don't like violence very much. Most people will do almost anything to avoid a violent situation. Even the most bloodthirsty supporter of the Iraq invasion would have a hard time justifying the proposition that anybody who opposed the invasion should be shot. You know why? Because if we don't win that war, they're going to come over here and get us. <laughs> I well, just heard that on the radio today, Ian. Yeah, oh, we, we've heard it uh, certainly a, a few times, especially right. on our Saturday shows. And I can probably imagine that maybe one or two of our callers might be able to take the position that people opposing the war should be shot. But I think the, most, the vast majority of Americans, would no, no way would they ever deem that that's appropriate. Can you imagine? No. I mean, imagine all the people you've had political debates with, all the friends and the family members over the years. How many of them would actually advocate that you be shot for your beliefs? They wouldn't use up that many bullets. They'd use the ovens instead. <laughs> Even the most bloodthirsty uh, supporter of the Iraq invasion would have a hard time justifying that because it was to defend such freedoms that Iraq was supposed to have been invaded in the first place. I mean, if you believe what the military supporters say, well, they, we're over there fighting for your freedoms. Well, my freedom to just say no to paying for this, right? 
But how can I have the right to oppose the invasion of Iraq if I'm forced to pay through it or to pay for it through taxation? Surely that's a ridiculous contradiction, like arguing that a man has a right to free speech and also that he should be arrested for speaking his mind. If I have the right to oppose the invasion, surely I cannot be forced to fund it. And this is a point we've attempted to make with the military uh, supporters, with the warmongers, over the past uh, several months, and it just doesn't doesn't get through to them. Well, nobody wants to believe it. Well, everybody, it's it's communal thinking. Taxes, I mean, taxes have been shoved down our throat They're for so, so long yeah. that we don't. You know, well, if I get a vote of 51% of the people who voted, then my little plan gets to go through, and you've go, you've got to pay for it. And if you don't, we're going to throw you in jail or shoot you. You know, and that's that's the, the part, part they don't say. That's the part they don't say, and they won't even recognize. Right? They won't. They refuse to admit that that's actually the case. Unfortunately, um, for libertarians like me, that particular argument can get really get you in trouble because at some point when you want to have you still want to have a government um then the anarchists back out the anarchists will pull it out on you if i have the right to oppose the invasion i surely can't be forced to fund it if i'm forced to fund it then any right that i have to oppose it is purely imaginary in essence then all libertarian arguments come down to one single simple statement put down the gun then we'll talk this is the core morality of both libertarianism and civilization. Civilized people, after all, do not shoot each other when they disagree. Decent people do not wave guns in each other's faces and demand submission or blood. Political leaders know this very well, I would say better than many libertarians do, and so constantly obscure the violence of their actions and laws with merely uh, mealy-mouthed and euphemistic weasel words. Soldiers aren't murdered, they fall. Mm-hmm. Iraq wasn't invaded, but liberated. Politicians aren't our political masters, they're civil servants, and so on. Although libertarianism is is generally considered a radical doctrine, the primary task of the libertarian is to continually reinforce the basic reality that almost everyone already is a libertarian. Indeed, this is uh, the ultimate goal of what we're trying to do as libertarian communicators. All of us, not just here on Free Talk Live, but you listening as a libertarian individual communicating with others about liberty. You're essentially attempting to help people realize their libertarian tendencies because it's natural to be a libertarian. And I think it's unnatural, on the other hand, to force others to behave in the way that you want them to. Certainly uncivilized. 800-259-9231. More about the gun in the room coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Just enough time for your call, even in these remaining moments. Plus, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you want to help support the show, then we invite you to be a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and learn about the amplifier program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. So if you like Free Talk Live, you like the fact that we give away all of our features on our website for free, then maybe you should consider ponying up 3 bucks a month because that's all we're asking for. And it's totally voluntary. If you can't afford it, enjoy all the website for free. But if you can, it will make a big difference. Because your $3 a month, we take them in a, a, along with everyone else. There's over 300 people in the AMP program so far. 
That money comes in. We turn it around into promoting the show. It does not go to paychecks. It goes out in the form of industry advertising in the radio business to get more radio affiliates on board. It goes out in the form of Internet advertising to uh, draw more Internet listeners from around the world to the show Um, and more. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. And learn about all the uh, the bonuses you get, the perquisites, the access to the amplifier-only forum, the amplifier-only call-in lines, and classic archives as well, just for amplifiers, at amp.freetalklive.com. As we uh, continue with Stefan Molyneux and the gun in the room, pointing out how simple the libertarian philosophy is. Really, uh, it doesn't matter what issue they throw at us. We can respond to it, even if we know nothing about it, as long as it involves government forcing its way on other people, we can oppose it. And it's so simple. But what we're doing as libertarians, as libertarian communicators, is essentially helping people understand that they're already libertarians and just don't know it yet. And that's why we see such a, uh, a an emotional response from some of our listeners who will email in or call in and say, you know, I've always felt this way, but I never knew that there was actually other people that felt this way. Or I've always felt this way, but uh, I never knew there was an organization of, of uh, people that feel similar to me, and they're and they're so uh, so pleased and refreshed. It's like a it's like a, a new life, a new lease on life that they have finding liberty. I, I think, don't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think there's a slumbering libertarian in most Americans because we we are the descendants of of, of freedom loving rabble rouser mavericks who came over here because we didn't like being told what to do. It's in our genes. Absolutely. And a lot of my friends, I send them the uh, the flash animation, the principles of liberty from mm-hmm. the ISIL. Org We've website. got a link to from uh, links.freetalklive.com. Awesome flash animation. Off, awesome, awesome. And it's a good way to turn your friends on to the principles of liberty. Right, because it's so simple. Yes. It's, it's so easily presented in, what is it, a 10-minute long, maybe at most, flash animation with real simple symbols, really easy to understand. But if you come away after watching that flash and you don't get it, then there's probably no hope for you. Mark, are you... Uh, you know, surprisingly, I was going to say something almost exactly like Wayne said, but the only difference is, is that I think that um, there is the slumber, slumbering libertarian in all of us, but I think many of us, unless we really confront the philosophy of um, force and understand that uh, government is force, government is coercion, and rigorously go after that in every area that government uh, mm-hmm. comes into our lives, we don't realize how invasive and how pervasive it is. It's just, there's just so much of it. Yep. And I find myself, you know, wanting to solve problems with government. Um, I think that in some cases, I think that government's the only way to solve certain problems, but still. That's because you haven't fully accepted your destiny as a true libertarian. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, let's continue, though, with uh, F- uh, Stefan. He's got a few more points. He says if we simply keep asking people if they're willing to shoot others in order to get their way, we can very quickly convince them that libertarianism is not an abstract, radical, or fringe philosophy, but rather a simple description of the principles by which they already live their lives. If you get fired, do you think that you should hold your manager hostage until he gives you back your job? No? Well, then you already hold a libertarian position on unions, tariffs, and corporate subsidies. If you find your teenage son in your basement smoking marijuana, would you shoot him? No? Well, then you already hold a libertarian position on the drug laws. Should those who oppose war be shot for their beliefs? No? Well, then you already hold a libertarian position with regards to taxation. Like the scientific method, libertarianism's greatest strength is its uncompromising simplicity. The enforcement of property rights leads to an immensely complex economy, but the morality of property rights is very simple. 
would you shoot a man in order to steal his property? The same complexity arises from the simple and universal application of the non-aggression principle. It's so easy to get lost in the beguiling complexities and forget to keep enunciating the basic principles. So forget about esoteric details. Forget about the history of the Fed and the economics of the minimum wage. Just keep pointing out the gun in the room over and over until the world finally starts to awake and drops it in horror and loathing. Drops it in meaning uh, dropping its uh, obsession with government, I think. 800-259-9231. I agree. I agree. It's, it's important to get it down to brass tacks. It can be fun to argue the details. It really can because, I mean, we're right. So <laughs> that, <laughs> that can be fun. It's relatively easy to argue the uh, libertarian standpoint because, you know, it's, it's a principle as opposed to being able to – you have to, to argue from their point of view, you have to have all the facts in place and you have to, you know, go through the facts and eliminate the ones that don't look, your, um, that don't, don't look good for you and, and keep the ones that do. And basically you can just say – you know, you can just argue the principle of force with people when it comes to libertarianism. Right, which is why I think it's going to be important, especially as we in the free state uh, begin to have more free staters running for office, becoming more visible essentially – I think it's going to be really important to break it down to the essentials in that some people are going to try to label us as radicals. Mm. Some people are going to try to label us as extreme because what we want to do really is to completely change the face of uh, how society interacts with one another. We want to go from a a system of coercion to a system of voluntary private property-based options. And that seems radical on its face, but really it's not. Really, the issue is going from force to volunteerism. And who could possibly stand on the side of force? Once it's made uh, crystal clear to people, and that's, I think, our challenge as libertarian communicators, is making it clear to them, to where, to the point where they can't deny it anymore, which is a lot of people, what a lot of people do, just deny, 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 when you put the facts in front of them, right. that, uh, you know, oh, if I don't, what, if I, what happens if I don't pay my property taxes? Well, they're going to come and arrest me. People will deny it. They'll say, well, no, they won't come and arrest you. They'll come and ask you to leave. You know, they'll, they'll put whatever barriers in front of coming to that realization right. that they possibly can. So it's bringing people to that point where they, they realize that the point of no return, essentially, we want to get people to the point where they have to choose sides, where they totally understand where libertarians are coming from, where they understand that it truly is a choice of coercion, that is, government solutions, versus voluntary solutions, that is, market-based solutions. Well, you know, the Soviet Union only had really one box to stuff your brain in. Mm-hmm. We have two official boxes you get to pick one or the other. Isn't it great? Right. Oh. And, and, but the problem is that the crowd is being conditioned all the time to pick one form of statism or another. That's without, true. And without even thinking the outside left, the left-right paradigm. Yes, right. the left-right paradigm. That's why we've got to bring in that other option. Yes, we have to get people questioning everything that they buy into. I'm always trying to do it in my life. I'm always trying to question, okay, why do I believe this? Is this is this a logical premise, or am I just accepting the collective reality that's been rammed down my throat in the media and, and so on? So what we are doing, essentially, is getting to that point where they understand what we're offering and allowing them to make the choice and choose sides. Will you choose to be an advocate of coercion, or will you choose liberty? That's what it is. It's not left versus right. It's not what they taught you in high school. It's not Republican and Democrat. It's freedom or not. Let's go to the phones to Jeremia Jim, in New York. What is it? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. What's on your mind? Um, I try to tell people for years about what's going on, and 
people is um they they don't want to hear it i mean and the main reason why i think they don't want to hear it it is the media and all that it controls us so i have arguments with my girlfriend about the republicans and Dem democrats it's all one party it's just a plot and when i talk when i talk to people the main thing that keeps them from learning about this is religion hmm. you know i why? speak to huh why do you think that is because the you know in my opinion Religion was created by, like, you know, people that, that are just out for control, basically evil people. They created Judaism, Islam, and Christianity from older religions. You, like, just like you say, people don't know the facts about the laws. People don't know the facts about religion either. Nobody you know, it's, looks... While looks I might, as an atheist, while as an atheist, I might agree with you in that religion was created to control others... I don't think it has to be an issue in uh, giving people the choice between coercion and voluntary options. In fact, if you're talking to a religious person, it's actually fairly easy to utilize uh, religious their religious principles to show them that choice, to show them. Well, yeah, they do that, but religion is manipulated for years. Everybody on TV, anybody making money, well, which is basically everybody in religion. I, I could again agree. I could again agree with you there with the TV and evangelicals and all those guys. I mean, they're certainly scam artists. And and there's certainly plenty of problems with organized religion, but I do not have a dog in that fight. And thank you for the call. I don't care. Um, there's some people that want, that believe that religion is going to be the end of the world, and that they want to proselytize to get people out of religion. I don't care. If you want to have a religion, please have your religion. Just don't force it on me. That's all. Simple. It's been Ian here with him here, and Wayne and Mark. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Be free, everybody. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.